everybody. Welcome back to the On The Cast podcast. I'm here with my loyal co-host, Mr. Dylan Pace. How you been, man? Oh, not too bad. That's one word. Well, not Slightly word. worse than normal, haven't I, Mitch? Yeah, you have been slightly worse than normal. Your feet have been giving you a bit of grief. It's been hot. It's been muggy. It's just been a weird time in Victoria. But hey, we're ticking along very well. Well, except for your feet. Yes, had to get surgery on that last night. So I'll be out of action for a few weeks. I don't know, but having said that, we've got, some, we've got plenty of good action coming up for ourselves in a little bit, but we won't talk about that just yet because we're going to make a few people jealous with that trip coming up. So, hey. Yeah, you'll right. hear about it when we get back. Yeah, probably. Or you'll, you'll see about it in the journey, but whatever, it'll be fine. Any fishing? Uh, yeah, a bit of, like, again, more just more offshore stuff, kingfish, tuna, lots of salmon showing up. That's pretty much all I've been doing, as always, the last few weeks. They've been up. Both sides of fish is dropping off a bit. Like, can't get a good king to save myself, but lots of rats in the mix. Few, still a few bluefin up in that 20, 25 kilo range. Haven't got a real good one for a while now, but I don't know. Keep persisting and hopefully I'll smack a bigger one. We'll see. I had someone come into the store a couple of days ago and they said that they caught a 40 kilo fish. And I did it in a way that I actually wouldn't have expected to do it. And that was just dropping pilchards behind the boat. Yeah, there's been a fair bit of that. No, I haven't. I haven't heard about it. So hey, it's different to me anyway. Yeah. Anyway, who are we? Who are we? What are we doing today? What, who have we got on? So, keeping with the theme of guests, we have another guest <laughs> from up north this time. So we're going back up to Queensland, and today would love to bring along Drew Mintos onto the podcast with us. So we have. How are you, boys? Not too bad at all, Drew. Fantastic. That's the line. It's That's nice. Right. It's nice and staged. We've actually been talking to Drew for the past twenty minutes just before <laughs> this, but um, hey, we just get in the swing of it, and then we jump on here and getting on. So yeah, hey, so you been well, Drew? Yeah, been well, mate. Uh, as anyone that's probably been following the journey, I've, I've took off up north for a good five months and lived in my car, and now I'm home and um, did a lot of fishing, and now I'm back home. Uh, just chilling out, getting back to normal life, enjoying tables and chairs and um, lounges and aircon. So, yeah, it's been uh, it's been good to to come home for a couple of weeks and sort of you know relax and get back into the swing of things. And haven't actually done a lot of fishing since I've been home. Like pretty content from up north, but uh, probably get back into it next week and do some local stuff. So it should be good. Should be good to get back into a bit of local stuff and. See how we go. It might be a little bit of a shock to the system, though, that uh, fishing up north, uh, it's pretty good. There's a lot of options up there. So, um, yeah, it might be a shock to the system with uh, how spoiled I've been, but time will tell. You'll be, you'll be casting a lot less frogs at mangroves from what I can see. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Well, I think I think we should put the um, the holy grail of uh, fishing on the Gold Coast is like a Gold Coast barra, I reckon, a very close second would be a mangrove jack on a frog because um, they'd be pretty tough on the Goldie, I reckon. So I'll just uh, – and mind you, I've not got uh, a Gold Coast barra either. But, um, yeah, so we could try one in two and see how we go. I, I thought you had caught a Gold Coast barra and I thought you were copping some flack for it too. But Yeah, copping a bit of flack on that one, but um, I was actually not, a, not on the Gold Coast, Gold Coast, so – yeah, um, it is what it is. Bit of a bit of a bloody sunny coast barra. So, oh, stuff stuff all the negative energy coming towards you for the for those barras. Oh, look, it was probably it was probably only six or seven vocal people, and 
you know, basically, I mean, we're starting a podcast off on a bit of, bit of a bloody bit of a rant, but basically <laughs> it comes down to, you know, people were upset because I caught a fish in the ocean, you know, like that's pretty, pretty insane sort of stuff. And mind you, two of the, two of the fellas that, you know, contacted me about it were uh, owned a tackle shop or one was a manager and one owned it and had previously put up videos about catching the same bar in the same location. So I was like, Hey, what about this video you put up five years ago? And then that video got taken down. So yeah, it's, it's pretty funny like that. And, and those same fellas again, sort of, there's a whole story about it, but basically I heard from a, from a bloody rep, a tackle rep that you get them in those sort of areas. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. I never said anything, but they said, Oh yeah, this guy at such and such tackle shop told us about it. And I was like, that's one of the guys that was going off at me. And meanwhile, he's telling one of the tackle reps, you know, who goes to every tackle store in Southeast Queensland and probably told everybody, but anyways, it is what it is. It's, um, it's a, it's a very strange sort of mentality to have to sort of be upset that someone's caught your fish, you know? And yeah. So we'll just leave it at that. Especially, especially if like people knew the area and they went to that tackle store to go get gear. Like that's, that's probably a good thing in all honesty in terms of their business. But like, hey, like keep yeah. the secret screw where I guess if you want to go catch that single barrel again one day, far out, I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah, they should have, you know, they could have used it to their advantage. Like, oh, this guy's, you know, catching them on squirrels. So he's a squirrel. He's the exact squirrel that he got it on. So go on and try your luck on it. So anyways, it is, it is what it is. But it's a very strange mentality that. And um, but a lot of people loved it. So that's, you know, try not to focus on those eight or nine people that are, that are negative about it and try and focus on the 25,000 people that loved it. So, yeah, oh, it right. is oh, what it is. Well, that's right. Like, like at the end of the day, the small amount of hate you get for it's like nothing in comparison to like to firing people, like firing, yeah, getting people fired up to go chasing in their yeah. local spots. Even if there's not many in there, it'd be cool fish to catch. Like sometimes they release them in like, there's this group of people that release Barramundi into like the Yarra River down here. So we call them Yarramundi because they get released <laughs> yeah, released down here in summer. So sometimes there's catchable barra down here in the Yarra River, like in Melbourne. Yeah. So like, fuck, capitalize on it where you can, I guess. I wonder how long those barra last in that system. Not, Not long. Very. <laughs> just summer. Yeah. Just, just summer. Because well, yeah. we had a stock barra down, dam down here in Victoria for a while down, like, in, a, in a lake that had a hot water outlet. And then- That's like, right, yeah. And then within yeah, it's like six months they turn the whole they turn the electric like the power plant off, and then goodbye barrows. See you later, floating <laughs> barra. Yeah. The whole lake was filled with like carp and tilapia and all sorts of weird aquarium fish, and these barra like in the few months they're in, they probably stacked on like twenty centimeters of fish. So they ended up putting them, mm-hmm. putting them in when they were quite small, and people were catching like sixties and eighties semi regularly. So. Mm. Barra, yeah, well, they they because up at Mondrian, I do a fair bit of fishing at Mondrian, mm. and they had faster growth because there's a fella up there that was is a charter guide, Rusty, and he was he was tagging them. He tagged like 400 in in 12 months, uh, Barra, and I think he said that they were getting a growth rate. He recaptured one of his fish from 65 to 85, and that was in 10 months that it went from that to that. So he's like, it's it's the same growth that they're getting in barra farms. So yeah. if the food's there, the food's there, they'll they'll grow as quick as as quick as they can. So yeah, it wouldn't take long. 
like do they I wonder if they come up with like really small heads because a lot of the lakes down here um like especially with cod yells and like trout and, trout and all these like salmon and stuff down here is if they're stocked with bait like and a lot of food like they go so fast but their bodies out, out, like yeah they outgrow their heads so they have tiny little heads <laughs> and their bodies like, are just like lines on the top of their back and everything and then we'd like yeah. we look at a rainbow trout it might be like 48 centimeters and it'll be like 2.3 kilos and you just look at the proportions of it thinking that's just it's almost deformed unnatural it's yeah. so fit yeah, yeah. I've not seen any barrel like that. I think they handle it pretty well. They get, especially those bar at Mondrian, they're almost ready to burst. Like <clears> every fish you catch there is round. Like they are just eating nonstop. Any, they're eating everything but lures in, in Mondrian sometimes. Like it's, they're that well fed. It's it's ridiculous. So, but um, it's actually not, it's not a bad fishery now. It struggled for, well, since the floods, they lost all those fish over the wall. But, it's coming back. I fished it a couple of weeks ago, like not not on film or anything, just for a bit of fun. And we end up getting eleven in the boat. And it was it was good that it changed from was that dam's really been a jerkbait dam where you're getting them on seventy to 80, 80 mil um, jerk baits like the squirrel or the lucky craft pointer. And we just we got three on that, and then we went, oh, let's throw swim baits, see if they eat swim baits, and. And then ended up getting two high 90s fish on swim baits and yes. losing probably the biggest bar I've ever seen come out of the water. Like, had to be a meter plus. Like, this thing just hit the swim bait, come out of the water as it hit it, belly flopped, and then just cut line and just blew up 50 pound braid. And I was like, yeah, sweet. That's and that was on the swim bait gear, you know. And I'm like, yeah, cool. So it's um it's good that in Mondrian that that's recovered and the fish are getting bigger and they're getting angrier and. Yeah, they're eating something other than, you know, 70 mil jerk baits because that gets a bit old after a while. Yeah, that's funny. Like you think about down in, especially in Victoria, the swim, swim baiting's taken off for everything, whether it be big flathead, cod, yeah, lots of fish. Like even people, like whispers, like people doing it with dewies, which no doubt is happening. Everyone keeps it pretty quiet though. But like, it's funny, you look up north, hardly anyone swim baits for barrel. Like you, know, like you see it, no doubt, but I'm amazed it hasn't taken off more. Well, the problem with the swim baits we found was that I threw a swim bait religiously for like two days and I got um, two two boated fish from it kind of thing. So I had a lot of times where you'd wind it painfully slow all the way back to the boat and then this big boil would come up three metres from the boat where that barra has just, just followed it, followed it, followed it. And then just about, you know, when you're lifting it out of water, it takes a swipe or it gets spooked and off it goes. And you end up with just this big boil and you go, oh, well, obviously you didn't want to eat it. So that probably happens a lot more, you know, where they sort of follow it for a bit and then they're just like, nah, too big or, too, you know, whatever it is. Just seems like sometimes they just focus on that little tiny bait and they just, yeah, they smash those sort of squirrels. And like, that's what we said, like we're throwing swim baits and there's like heaps of fish here. We mad for not, for not throwing squirrels, you know, going for numbers, but at the same time, we got those bigger fish to bite on the swim baits, you know, because the, the three fish we got on squirrels were around about that 70-centimetre mark, and that was in, like, the first day of fishing. And then that afternoon I went, let's just throw swim baits and see what happens. So, And the next morning got that, that big fish right on, like, 4.45 in the morning, big, you know, 97-centimetre um, barra. So I was like, well, that paid off. So, yeah. Sick. Yeah, so, but anyways, that's that's barra fishing for you. Like, you just can't pick them sometimes, eh? 
same it's kind of the same as cod too like some days are on some some days are off but having said that people throw swim baits for them all the time but they just the difference between barra and um yeah barra and cod seem to be that barra eats small stuff a lot more regularly than cod do so yeah okay like, i've never fished for cod so i assume it'd be empowerment fishing is all pretty similar like It'd be pretty similar to barren impoundments where they're really picky. Just yeah. got to be sort of Johnny on the spot and fish those bite times. And yeah, sounds about sounds about right. Like so, like obviously, like like any fish though. Some days you get it when they're on. And you go catch some people go like smack a heap of fish. Like especially coped in the early days. Like there were people getting like fair few numbers of really really good fish. And especially yeah. when water was flowing in the back of the lake as well. But like. Unlike, apart from that though, yeah, it's just that slow grind for that one or two good, like one or two good fish in a trip. So, yeah, okay. You prefer doing like creek missions for cod? Oh yeah, yeah. I yeah. like it's just fun to go out and catch a heap of numbers. Like I'd like having said that though, like I'm at the point now where I'm just kind of like hmm, numbers have been fun, but like some big fish would be good big, too. Big fish or fish on different stuff, you know, like fly or oh, you yeah. know. Like I go do a fair like I do probably the majority of my cod fishing on fly now because yeah sweet. yeah it got, it got not boring like it was fun always catching my bait cast and stuff but it's like it's just nice to be doing doing on something different and I've always wanted a real big fish on fly but that's going to be an absolute mission so yeah true hey, have you seen that Aussie fly fisher he gets some good footage of the of the um, cod on fly up in the gorge country. Oh geez, he gets some unreal stuff. Yeah, he's yeah, he does he does wicked stuff. Like he does, yeah. And, and yeah, he's business. He's all business things. Fucking sweet. I love. I yeah, love his he's, stuff. he's he's pretty good. Like I watch it and I go, I go like I watch the cod like eat the fly, and he's got someone up real high vantage point, crystal clear water, and it just eats this um, fluorescent green fly. And I went, I might go buy a fly rod and and uh, <laughs> go cod fishing. It just has that feel about it. Wants you to get into doing what he's doing. So, yeah, yeah very like, cool. Yeah, well, some of the guys like your way, like um, what is it like pelagic pursuit and stuff have been doing barra and stuff and fly like reasonably well. And then like guys yeah. like Chris Adams, like who has the Intermediate Line podcast. Um, yeah, he's been doing or like at least selling like a fair bit of stuff for barra on fly, like barra on fly too. So yeah, there's yeah. There's, a, there's a obviously there's a decent market for it, but it's just like it's a grind. Yeah, it's a good way to make barra fishing harder. Like, if, <laughs> you know, if you're over sort of barra fishing, yeah, make it a little bit harder for yourself. <laughs> oh, it's the same with cod. Make it a little bit more hard. Like make, it, <laughs> make it a bit more difficult. Although, having said that, in the clear... Difficult enough already. Yeah. Why, in, yeah. why don't I add the fly element? Like, it's, uh... fun, it's funny, though. Like, the cod on fly, I reckon I've... I reckon, like, and Dill can sort of attest to it, is I can I get more hits on fly... Hmm. And probably larger fish on flight in terms of cod stuff than I, like than you do on conventional gear, just because people haven't seen it. Just because people it's, haven't it's, seen it. It's as simple as that. It's just something new. It's not new, yeah. but as novelty. Well. The fish just haven't seen it as much. Like you go, it's amazing when you get well, like Mitch and I will fish alongside. We go to a pressured waterway, whether it be a creek, like a bigger creek or a bigger like small creek, big river, whatever it might be, and I'll get a high of hits, but Mitch will get the same amount of hits, if not more. Purely because if I'm throwing something in, like whether it be a pompadour or a spitterbait, and Mitch has got one of his weird, what I call the Kermit fly or whatever else he's tying up, it's just unique, <laughs> new, natural. Yeah, something different. I think like I'm a bit like that too. Like I'm not really good at any, you know, certain type of fishing, but I like to do everything. You know what I mean? Like I'm pretty good at catching brim. I'm pretty good at catching flatties, but 
you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't win the fat flatty classic. I wouldn't, I wouldn't win ABT Brim or Bass or I wouldn't, I wouldn't win a Barracomp, but I can sort of catch all those fish. And that, I think that's part of it is just spreading yourself around, trying to do as many different things as you can. And then once you sort of key in on say mangrove jack, I'll go and say, oh, what's, I've caught, I've caught plenty of jacks on that piece of plastic. Where's the next piece of plastic that I need to throw and see if I can get something on that? You know, so I actually did a, a series of videos um, last year of, of you know, here, here's a squirrel or here's a pointer, got a jack on that, retire that lure, then go to the next lure. There's the Lucky Craft pointer. Bang, got one on that, retire that. What's the next lure? You know, a duo, you know, a Samari, a, a Smith Cherry Blood, a, a Mega Bass 110. And I just went through and I caught jacks on all these different lures and people were sort of like, what's the best lure for jacks? And I'm like, well, I caught one on, on all these 10 different jerk baits, just in, you know, just jerk baits, you know? So I don't think it matters that much sometimes. Well, like I recently just watched your video actually where you had um, like the pinwheel where you spin. Oh it. yeah, the roulette challenge, yeah. yeah. Well, it's like, that's, that's one thing I always find with brim or like I think estuary perch or clean cod are another really good example of it. But like I always think you've got a primed up fish sitting in that snag bit of current flowing over, waiting for something to come near it. I'm like, half the time I'm putting so much thought into this where in reality, if anything small that looks like it would be remotely edible goes past that bit of timber, you know what? It's probably going to get a bit going to get eaten, whether it's a plastic, a hard body, surface yeah. paper, whatever it be. You know what? Does it really matter? Probably not. No, probably not. Like, I've like caught it. some big, big brim while chasing mangrove jack on you know, a 79 pointer or a, a, a 79 squirrel or whatever, you know, like sometimes they're just on and everybody can catch brim when they're on, but they're only on 10% of the time. So, yeah, it's that other 90% you're going to be worried about. But if they're hungry, they'll they'll have a go at anything. So, yeah. Yeah, like well, yeah, when it comes to fishing, basically I, I go the rule of two things, like go realistic and make, match the hatch, go the right size, or basically yeah. go big and go for reaction bites. Like they're, yeah. they're, they're sort of the two options that I sort of fish. Like uh, to be fair, there's not really much else you can sort of do. But like I find that's always been a go-to, be, be it for brim, like going from fishing like a small 35, 40 mil hard body, then if that doesn't work, go to something like a Duo Realis 80 and like a big yeah. jerk bait and just like fanging that around for a bit. Yeah. Try and get them excited. I found that too. Like, obviously, I fished a few brim comps just locally or whatever. But uh, I found that on the days, because I'm a real sort of power fisherman, I like to just get through it. You know, like I'll throw top water here, walker, and and do that, and then I'll I'll throw a crankbait, and and that's my two kind of things. But if I had a really tough day, I'll come in and go, yeah, guys, I'm just tanks today. I found that the guys in the kayaks did a lot better than me because just by the nature of being in the kayak, they have to fish slower and they would fish the crab really slow and they'd throw it in then they'd sort of paddle a bit and then, you know, I'd still be in there soaking and then they'd get the bite, but I was fishing too fast. So I think, you know, sometimes you can get stuck in one technique and you can't be, you know, can't just dismiss it that it was a tough day and that's what Brim Comps will do for you. It wasn't a tough day. It's just that you were fishing how the fish didn't want to get, you know, didn't want to bite. They wanted to eat a slow finesse plastic or a crab or, you know, whatever it is. And, and vice versa, like sometimes I'll crank just pontoons and stuff and I will just brain them. And, and the guys fishing crabs and stuff won't, they'll get the little small brim picking away at it and, 
so yeah it all just you know just you gotta have to take it as it comes and you know notice those little patterns and so yeah i started you know in, integrating some different types of fishing and that's kind of where i got it from is like well if i can catch like say that mangrove jack video where i, I took out all those lures and went right i put a frog on catch one on a frog and then next thing you throw on a you know, a, a prawn pattern into there and they eat that, you know what I mean? Then you put a paddle tail on and they eat that. So it just depends on when and where and how. So that's that's what I'm into. Anyway, I'm into like different species and different ways to catch species because, I mean, you got to keep it interesting, eh? Yeah, and with that, I think a really cool point is like the more species you fish for, the more you can relate to catching other different species of fish. Like when you rock up somewhere new in a totally different place, if you've targeted three entirely different species in the last few months, it just gives you such an edge. Like I always grew up just fishing for brim and that was about it. And then when I started getting into a whole array of other freshwater and saltwater species all over the joint, it just, it improves your angling and the approach you take second to none. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Like, yeah. Like Dill's like had like, sort of comparisons between brim fishing and like pausing a lure and tuna pausing a lure and still getting eats like on like as it's just sitting there like two obviously distinctly different fish but like it's just yeah yeah you take you can take a lot of like a lot of things from each style of fishing and i've actually caught when i've caught tuna and no one else has been able to hook them up just been working a stick bait like almost would for a brim it's just like oh these fish are that timid they're barely going to even look at it unless it's just sitting in their face and you hardly yeah you're watching all around you everyone's high speed spinning and everything and i'm just like they're not going to look at it they don't want to know <laughs> these fish are lazy yeah yeah sharing it can be just as picky as bream high some days yeah, yeah. At, at the moment they're probably worse down here like the foot like the bluefins down here just sitting there doing nothing and they're like they're half 90 percent of the time they've been locked jawed at the moment so so what what do you put that down to just pressure or oh, insane amounts of pressure but also yeah. like like Dill, like Dill can probably add more to it. He's more the top yeah, like, guy than I, I tend to think it's more they're feeding. So like bluefin, they're like them, like metabolism is optimum in that slightly cooler water. So at the minute for right. us here at the minute, this might spin you out, but we've got warm water, 19 degrees. Wow. <laughs> wow. That is warm. Yeah. <laughs> and the tuna, I don't know, the tuna in the middle of the day, they don't seem to like it too much. So I, I think they're either feeding at night or there's a patch of cooler water, say 20K out off the coast. And what they're doing is super early morning or nighttime, they're punching down to that feeding or say they're just feeding down deeper. But then middle of the day, they want to recharge. That's why they're coming up, sunning themselves on the surface. Yeah, 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 that's true. Yeah. So like to get those fish when they're just sunning themselves to actually commit, oh, it's a nightmare and it's just... Weird. Yeah, that's another good point though with, say, you know, relating that across to sort of barra fishing too. Yes. Sometimes I'll find barra and I'll go, oh, yeah, we're on a good good spot here and you come into a bite time and those fish start to move away. Yeah. And you go, this is the bite time. Why aren't they, you know, this is where I'm going to catch them, you know, in theory. And then they move away because they're not feeding there. So at the bite time or a certain point in tide, they move somewhere else to feed. So just because you find fish doesn't mean they're going to eat. That's that's probably a big takeaway as well from barra fishing, brim fishing as well. Sometimes you can find brim that are just swimming around in the shallows doing nothing. Just And you throw anything at them and they're gone. See you later. They're not interested. Like one so, of the best examples of that's like Mulloway when you sound them in a deep hole and they're like, why oh, can't I ever catch you in this deep hole? And it's like, well... Once they start feeding, they move. They go. That's up. right. Yeah, they're not. Fit. They're just sitting there. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Just because you find fish doesn't mean they're going to eat. That's that's a good takeaway. All right, so we'll, we'll get back into the actual main stem of the podcast anyway. We'll talk about heaps of cool stuff. Um, so I guess, yeah, we talk, we went off a massive tangent, but I love like, <laughs> ten, Tangents are one of the things that we love the most on this podcast. You need like a little bell or something, tangent alert, you know what I mean? You just ring that bell when we're getting on a tangent. Yeah, well, like the, Hamish, the Hamish and Andy podcast, they've got a little bell. Like, oh, that's where right, they, yeah. Where they stop things. So like, yeah, we, <laughs> maybe we need one of those. But um, Maybe like a foghorn or something more relative. Yeah, air, something to really stop us in his tracks, yeah. yeah an air, an air um, horn. Well, I, got a, I got a big tub of GT recorders here. I can just go. <laughs> there you go. And ironically, we've just gone on a rant about rants. So, yeah, yeah we're, we're red hot at the moment. Yeah. All right, that's yeah. it. <laughs> Or or a hot juice. So I, I I don't even know if we need, we like we, the next point we had to cover in this was tell everyone about yourself. But I feel like you've already done half of that for us. So is there anything you'd like to add about yourself that people might not know about you from like your YouTube videos and social medias? Um, yeah, well I'm on. I do YouTube videos and um, do that sort of stuff and just make videos because it's fun and. Travel, I've been traveling around, obviously. I think I mentioned that before, but um, just to try and broaden the horizons and decided to just sort of live out of my car for a, for a couple of months and travel from Brisbane up north, you know, got as far as sort of Cairns area, not quite Cairns, but got up that way and sort of did a lot of fishing along the way. And it was pretty, it was pretty, uh, well, what was it? It was challenging. It's probably most most challenging thing you'll ever do is uh is live in your car and try and catch fish in new locations that you've never been to before because yeah that, that's pretty tough to, to try and work out like i'm at this river am i here at the right time of the year and what's the right tides where are the fish up the back has it been raining here what's what you know what's happened in the last three months you know it's it, it is pretty challenging but at the same time it's probably the best thing you can ever do for your fishing even though it's challenging because now i come back and i go oh, i've got all this this new arsenal of things that worked in one spot, maybe I can apply that to here or maybe I can apply that to there. And that was pretty similar to that. So I'll, I'll you know, try and replicate that over here. So, yeah, so that, that's what I've been doing for the last sort of five months, just out on the road doing that, making videos. And, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And home now, so back to reality. So we'll see see what the future holds this year, see, see what the COVID sort of does to us. Um, it wasn't too bad this year, the COVID, because obviously I was contained to Queensland and you can sort of travel anywhere within Queensland without a drama. So it was pretty good to sort of get away and pretty much up north, say past Bundaberg and that COVID was non-existent. People just, you know, pretty, pretty relaxed up there. Like to put it in perspective of how relaxed they are, one small town I went to, the guy was burning tires in his backyard. That is how relaxed they are in North <laughs> Queensland. So, <laughs> did, did, wasn't wasn't great for the environment. But I thought, you know, I'm I'm in Brisbane. That's pretty. You know, you wound pretty tight in Brisbane. Now in this town here, they're so casual. They're just still burning tires. So I'm probably somewhere in the middle. So if I can find that middle ground between, you know, you know, the city and burning tires, that's my sweet spot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. yeah, you also have a table, so we hear. Yeah, tables, living on the road and stuff, you know, it's very, yeah, you go, oh, I sort of need somewhere to spread out and do a bit of editing and stuff because it's pretty hard to edit in your, in your passenger seat. Like, yeah, it's it, yeah, a table, nice to sprawl out. But one thing you don't, you don't, you know, account for is that 
you try and look at a laptop during the middle of the day. It's it's very hard if you're not in a house. Like you have to have your screen brightness high and the editing program is it's got a dark background and there's just glare on the screen. So I reckon I'll probably, you know, got cataracts after staring at that screen for five months trying to get stuff done. But um, yeah, you take tables for granted, you take chairs for granted, you you take just your outlet that you put in. Cause obviously I was running all my power off the off my car with solar and and battery system and all that. So if you plug your laptop in non-stop for a couple of hours, you drain your batteries down, then your fridge goes dead and you can't charge this or charge that. So you kind of have to manage your time because you don't have an, a socket in the wall that just gives you just feeds your power. So yeah, all those little things just yeah, just you know, you take for granted pretty much. Yeah, like I remember I worked out of my car for a little bit, not last year, but the year before. And um, yeah, like I was probably I was probably in my swag on the side of the road for three to four days of the week for most part of the year, especially during winter, the, the height of the season. Was oh, yeah. During that week, yep, so it would rain on me, it'd be terrible. But um, yeah, I'd be doing some work outside my laptop and yeah, gosh, it was it was a disaster. It's so a I tough gig, hey, living in your car and then trying to edit and do and do like videos or work or send email, whatever it is. It's a tough gig, hey. Yeah, I know it's hard, but hey, some people got to do it, and I think everyone on YouTube can thank and like and Instagram and stuff can thank you for putting in all the effort and getting it done for people's entertainment. Thanks yeah, no, it's it's always yeah, it's always good to get the feedback, and and you know most people are pretty chuffed about it. So as long as people are you know interested, I'll keep doing it, kind of thing. So no, that's good. So we'll get, we'll keep running through it. So. One of the things we always like to ask people when they go fishing, especially, well, some people we basically know, but um, for you, what's your preferred angling style and like what species, like what, what do you go to species? I'm a, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big snag basher. I like snags. I like, you know, obviously Gold Coast and, you know, this Southeast Queensland's got a lot of canal systems. So, you know, hitting those pontoons and the, and the poles and that sort of big structure. I like that. Um, even when I go to Mondrian, which is an impoundment, it's a big, you know, you find the points where the wind's blowing on and you sit there and the fish come through and they feed on those windblown points. Even then at Mondrian, I like to go and find snags and, and try and, you know, if there's fish sitting in a ridge line with spindles, I'll try and catch those fish rather than the fish that are on the points, especially outside of a bite time. So yeah, I love to fish snags. Um, I'm a very, very bad deep fisherman just because I don't do it and sometimes I find it a bit boring to sort of sit in 15 metres of water and just jiggle a little, you know, plastic or jiggle a little um, vibe or something in 15 metres of water. It's just, yeah, it's very hard for me to do. I like I like something, if it's visual, even better, you know, so like, you know, getting those mangrove jack in in half a meter of water around those mangrove roots like that's that's just pinnacle for me like you see him come up and me eat it you see him chase it you see him refuse it you know and, and then you got the little barra mixed in there as well but i'm i'm mainly after jacks that's probably my favorite species to go after just based on their aggression level and yeah that's there's such a such a pound for pound probably one of the smartest and hardest fighting fish out there i reckon Oh, like I think, I think, like yeah, I can probably speak for Dill as well. One of the species that we want to target so badly is mangrove jack. Like obviously, we have brimerium pontoons, and like sometimes you might get a juice and some estuary yeah. perch. But like 
Jack's just, yeah, they look like they fight dirty, they fight hard, they know where oh, home yeah. is. And like angry red brim, that's how I look at them. Same, same <laughs> applications, but fight harder, bigger, they cool and lose. Yeah, they do. Well, open invitation if you're ever up this way, you know, I'll take you out and try and get you under one. No, um, no promises, but, um, you know, it's, it is a hard game in Southeast Queensland with the Jacks because they do see a lot of pressure and they're a bit, you know, a bit more switched on. I've, and there's, well, there's plenty of them around, I think, but I think they're just very pressured. So, um, how far, yeah, like. How far north do you have to go to find unpressured, <laughs> unpressured Jacks? Oh, um, Townsville. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Just go to Townsville and start there. Eh? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, Hinch and Brook's really good for jack fishing. Like there's just an abundance of fish. But obviously the further north you go, the smaller the, the jacks get, so to speak. Like on the, on the Gold Coast, it's not unusual for you to get, you know, 50 plus um, jacks, you know what I mean, like 50 plus centimetres. But up at, you know, places like Hinchinbrook or anywhere sort of up there that's got jacks, those those fish sort of top out at a lot of guys' PBs up there, you know, 46, 47, 40, uh, 48, and then they become reef jacks. They move out to the reef. So there's not, yeah, they don't stick around in the system. So you don't really have that chance of getting an estuary uh, mangrove jack of 50 plus up that way. So yeah, there's less fish in southeast Queensland, you know, in terms of you're not going to go out and bang six in one day, but, you know, you might get a 50 plus or I got a 58. So that's that's pretty big fish. Some guys get um, 61s. Um, so obviously they get a little bit bigger in the in the landlocked lakes too, but I don't think a lot of blokes count the landlocked lake ones. So, um, but yeah, like it, it, it is what it is. It's pros and cons. Like if you want to catch a big one, you got a chance on the Gold Coast of getting that 55 plus, you know, that real trophy one. But if you go north, you're just going to have way better time just, you know, casually fishing, you know, for, you know, five, six in, in a couple of hours kind of thing. So, yeah, we, yeah well, we might have to take you up on that offer some point at the, like, at the, <laughs> I don't know, what, like September, October period. Yeah. Period. Well, I don't know. You're, yeah, you're in Victoria. So that might be a bit tricky for a little while yet. But, well, we I think we're sort of are we, allowed, are we allowed out now? Far out, I don't even know anymore. I don't care. I don't keep up. I don't keep up. To, I don't keep up to date with it too much at the moment. But um, yeah, fingers It'll crossed. Change tomorrow, anyway. Fingers crossed, boss. Yeah, sort of September, October. We like we have the opportunity to come up to up north for a couple of weeks and find some barrens some jacks and do yeah. Oh, said GTs. Yeah, GTs in the Hobie deal. Yeah, how's that? That'd be, yeah, that'd be horrific. No That'd be a strain first. Yeah, well, like a decent, a decent reef one anyway. And out of Dill's Hobie outback. No, Hobie would love that. You know, they'd be selling <laughs> selling bulk Hobie to all the all the Trevally fishing. There was a flipping with that happening. I reckon. <laughs> oh, imagine, uh, imagine taking out all your high end gear and then just rolling your kayak because GTs flip you over underneath your kayak. Yeah, or just tow you out to out to sea. Yeah. There'll be like oh. carpenters floating everywhere, and underneath me, there'll be like ten sirens and some freediver. We'll have like <laughs> life. Yeah, <sighs> no, they they just go those trevally. They don't stop even when they get to the boat. They're still flopping, and yeah, they just non-stop those GTs, eh? Hey? Yeah, well, yeah. I watched some of your stuff today, and 
It was pretty cool. Like, obviously... And they're only small ones. Like, if you ask a GT fisherman, like those those fellas from Amman, they would they would laugh at those GTs I was catching. You know what I mean? Like, up to sort of 20 kilo. They, yep. They're just like, no, anything, anything under 40 is just, you know, bait kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah, well, it's funny because they're probably using PE... 10 gear or something yeah. and like yeah. and something like a 20 kilo gt they're knocking over in, in a couple of minutes they're not really putting too much effort into it but like yeah once you step up that color of a fish it seems like it's it's on for young and old depending on like even using that heaviest gear yeah exactly all right so we'll keep we'll keep going on um do you have any sponsors or people that are affiliated with you that like you'd like to shout out give them a bit of credit for or are you just like running solo on all of this no i'm running solo no spono absolutely no spono so if if anyone's listening, there's a pretty good opportunity <laughs> yeah. here. Big opportunity. No, it's, <laughs> it's something I've sort of, in the last couple of years, I'm like, I don't really, because that sponsorship stuff does pretty weird things to some people. Like, yes, it does. Oh, in yeah. Brim comps, this is coming from Brim comps too, is like guys will go out and throw golf all day and then they'll turn around and they win it and they say, yeah, yeah, true you know, X, well, whoever they're sponsored by, but they threw golf or they threw, you know, something else, you know, and it, and it's like, yeah, mate, I saw you, I saw you, I knew what you were throwing. And then, so you can't really trust, well, you can trust some Spono people, but it's very, I think you lose a little bit of credibility when you become full Spono, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, unless it was a rod and reel company, I feel like, every, like apart from that, like, that's the only ones that I'd be even interested in remotely being sponsored by. Otherwise, yeah, you lose that creative, that creativity to being able to use whatever you want to use. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, lures would be a really weird thing to be locked into. Yeah, like there's like, yeah, there's, I guess there's a couple of brands out there, like Nomad and stuff. But having said that, they make a fairly broad range of lures out there that cover so many different species. But like, still, it's just like you just want to fish with what you want to cast at the time. Like I don't exactly. want, like oh, I don't want someone to tell me oh you can't post a photo with that fish because it was caught in that lure. It's like yeah, which no. I well like I was affiliated, won't name him, but like and that's sort of started happening. And I was like, no, stuff this. Oh, hey, yeah, yeah. Want a fish? Pretty much, but I have I have pretty casual relations with a lot of lot of like companies. Like obviously, I use a lot of Shimano stuff, but then I don't use their bait casters really. I've gravitated towards those thirteen fishing reels, but you know, like. It is what it is. You like what you like. And, and you know, I use some Shimano rods. I use some Dobbins rods, you know, like just use whatever you want to use. Like, yeah, it's 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 a no-brainer for me. But um, obviously, yeah, it makes it, you know, tough with, um, yeah, buying all the new, you know, stuff or whatever. So I know a lot of blokes get looked after with their gear and, and it would be nice to just have 10 Stellas of all different types, you know, and all the rods, but, one, you don't need them. Um, I don't think you can go past the Stratic, to be honest. Like for 300 bucks, just buy a Stratic and away you go. You don't really need a Stella unless you need the GT, you know, 8,000, which has got 24 kilos of drag. Then, yeah, that's the only reason you buy a Stella. Well, that's the only reason I bought a Stella anyway. But, you know, you just use you use what you want and, and that that's how it is. So, yeah, you don't have to say anything or do anything based on, you know, being sponsored. So, yeah, no, you, yeah, the, the freedom and the creativity of like being unsponsored is pretty good. But like, I could see like there's positive pros and cons to it all. So I'm glad you're taking your stride. And yeah, exactly. Like, I'm, I'm glad you get looked after by yeah. a few people as well because otherwise it'd make life being, it'd make life a bit tough on the road, forking out your, all your coin for everything else. 
Yeah, I know. So, yeah, sometimes people send you, you know, some free gear and I just say, look, you can send me some stuff. And if it, if I use it, I use it. I can't promise you that I'm because otherwise I'm, you know, tying on this lure and throwing it for two weeks and, you know, trying to get content for that. It, it's just not a way. It's just not something you want to be constrained by. You know, and you just, you know, have it in your arsenal and go, oh, that thing might work there that, you know, whoever sent me that and you tie it on, you catch fish on it. You don't want to be sort of tied to a lure and just be like, you only got to use Jackal, you only got to use Lucky Craft or you only got to use Rapala or whatever it may be. Like, yeah, it's it's good to have that freedom and, and I'll probably keep it that way for a while yet. So, um, yeah, that's it is what it is. Wonderful. All right, so yeah. I, I think the next, obviously, the I don't know how you'd say, but yeah, the biggest thing, I guess, is YouTube. Obviously, everyone that knows you, like your biggest following is on YouTube, I assume, because like yeah, from yeah. What, yeah, what I've seen is what twenty seven thousand four hundred and something as of yeah. sometime today on the twenty eighth <laughs> of January. So, and then, and I've been I've been following that sort of for the like last sort of six months or so at least, and it's been steadily rising, which has been pretty cool. And, yeah, right. and you've been doing a heap of stuff too. So, what did you do before YouTube? Uh, I'm actually a painter by trade, so. I ran my own my own painting company for thirteen years, and I mean, I've still got it. I just haven't been. I just took took twenty twenty off to to do some stuff. And if if you know YouTube, YouTube's not one of those things that's entirely you know it's not as lucrative as people think it is. Like it's hard to it's not hard work like sanding down a Queenslander in the middle of summer. It's hard work in the sense that. You have to try and keep people entertained and you can't just go out and, you know, not sport, not speak to the camera and use the same lures and use fish the same spots. Like it's creatively hard, which is probably why I do it because painting is very, like painting is probably the easiest way to take money off someone without a gun. Like <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. And I was like not toot my own horn, but I was in it for 13 years and I did, you know, pretty well when I was doing it. So you know, it's, it's hard to go away from that and give myself a challenge of trying to catch fish and then trying to film it and make it interesting is, is another aspect to it. So, um, yeah, as, as a trade painter and hopefully I can leave that behind and um, and sort of become financially, you know, you know, it can sustain itself kind of thing, big YouTube thing. But, um, yeah, hopefully that's the, that's the end goal anyway. Yeah, well, it seems like the people who diversify the most in terms of the fish they capture and the way that they do it. So be it fly versus lures or different lures or mm. jigging, jigging top water, all that sort of stuff. Like the guys who diversify the most tend to like, tend to get pretty far. So, and you're and like, you've done all of Queensland and uh, during COVID. So like there's the rest, there's an entire country left for you like here. And then there's the rest of the world as well when things settle down a little bit. So and that's it. Like, yeah, that's you, it. You've got a stack of things that like to, to delve into. So you've only really scratched like scratched the top of the iceberg at the moment, really. But even even I look at Queensland and I go, yeah, could have done that better. That place didn't fish really well when I was there, so that didn't get any video or anything. But if I go back there, you know, whatever, it might work for me or, you know, past once you go past Cairns as well, that's a whole other world up there, you know, sort of up to Cooktown. And then, then you've got the other side of like Weeper and stuff like that's, that's like fishing paradise. Everybody told me on the on the road, people coming back from there, like, oh yeah, bloody easiest fishing of your life, sort of thing. Like, it's the promised land. So, 
yeah, it's you still got stuff to do in Queensland, and then you know you got all of WA. That's that's massive. That's the whole of our east coast again, all in one state. So you know, it's it's there's plenty to do. And then and then all he has to do is pick up a flyer and then then oh, uh, yeah. then you can do absolutely everything you've already done and just <laughs> yeah. do it do it again on fly. <laughs> yeah, make it harder for myself. That's it. One, yeah. One, 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 yeah, it's like don't like financially, it's an absolutely woeful decision in terms of like buying fly gear. But in terms yeah. of fun and a challenge, it's the best thing you could possibly do. But like, hey, your catch rates will turn to nothing pretty quickly. But like, you'll learn, you'll learn it, you'll learn a heap of stuff. You trash yeah. a heap, trash a heap of gear, snap rods, roast fly lines, especially if you're chasing jacks. Good buy hundred and fifty dollars fly lines, but um, yeah, it'll be a mission yeah. that's for sure. I might need a spono for that. When I get into fly fishing, I'll be looking for loop or someone. Yeah, come on, guys, give me the, give me the gear. Come on, yeah. You know, you know, loop, loop's, loop's been doing a, doing a bunch of guys. So um, yeah, or vi- vision's good. I, I advocate like I like vision stuff because my, okay. um, my partner's from Finland and I just get real patriotic. I think it's Swedish or Norwegian or Finnish, one or the other. But like, yeah, they're, they're all the same, hey, Mitch. All the same. Yeah, basically, one some of these cheap like primals are wicked setup if you want to go fly fishing and stuff. But let's not go down that rabbit hole. That is a rabbit hole. <laughs> I, I always have to pick up the container of GT recorders, then, Mitch. Yeah, no, we have, we, we have, <laughs> like, it's a rabbit hole for another time. It's a that's a time of a podcast with another fly fisherman. That's it. Um, so you so see what you went full time YouTubing. Um, I guess over the last five months, he said. Um, and and what what was the reason for going full time? Just because of COVID, or just because of that, having a different challenge? Well, I sort of scaled back what I was doing at the end of nineteen. I thought I'm going to do a bit more fishing in in twenty twenty, and uh, and then COVID came, and I was like, yeah, beauty. So I wasn't too worried because I'd already downscaled what I was doing. I've, I'd you know gotten rid of all the employees and apprentices and stuff, and sort of, you know, tailed that off at, at, you know, 2019 and then February came and the COVID stuff hit and I was like, doesn't bother me as long as I can still go out and fish because that was kind of the plan this year and I sort of did a couple of odd jobs here and there up to sort of, you know, June or something like that. Then I just started fishing. I was like, yeah, no, forget painting for a bit and um, let's get on the road and, and do a bit of travelling and stuff and, and that's what it sort of came out of. But I was really sort of planning to do that before COVID, so so it's kind of worked out well for me. But um, you know, obviously COVID doesn't go on for too much longer because you know, at some point you want to go south and do some stuff down there. So do you, yeah. do you really though? Well, do you, do I mean, you really want to go south, mate? There's some good fishing. The thing with down south is you got to fish winter and you got to be able to get out offshore. That's what I think down south, like. Good snapper fishing down there, you know, like some of the snapper that you, you can get down there in shallow water, you can get them hitting, you know, lures up in the water column, you know what I mean? Like fishing, you know, 15 metres of water and, and the bait can be stacked up and those snapper will come up and they'll hit you halfway down. You know, that's that's extremely cool. So that kingfish in Sydney Harbour, that would be awesome. You know, who wouldn't want to do that? So... I want to do that in my kayak for sure. That looks wicked. Yeah, that and, looks cool. And kingfish on fly too. Just kingfish on fly. Yeah, a lot of guys getting them on fly there, eh? Well, Mitch, if you were out with us the other day, you would have got them. Yeah, well, on mic. They were on micro bait, and they were angry. Don't, don't, 
Don't tell me this. Well, so <laughs> Mad invites there. Mad yeah, invites. Sick, sick invites. To be fair, <laughs> to be fair I, I, I did have the option to go out in the water with another mate, but um, I don't think he listens to the podcast, but yeah, a bit untrustworthy in terms of actually putting me on fish. So, um, Oh, wow, those guys. Yeah, yeah great, great dude. Fishing fishing skills, though, dedicated, just hmm, questionable. Oh, the dedication is there. Bloody hell. Yeah, well, he bought a $40,000 boat. So, you, so you, you was at the ramp at 5 a.m., full credit. Full credit. Full credit. Saw, saw you there? He was ahead, I think he was ahead of the queue in, before. He was even, yeah, ahead in the queue on us even. So, yeah. <laughs> You've so, got to be careful of those guys. I found, I found too, on the travels, like, You'd run into someone in a spot and they'd be like, this one guy in particular, he was like, um, how you going and what are you catching? And I actually, he didn't ask me what I was catching. He said, what are you fishing for? I said, Jack's. And he goes, oh, yeah, me too. My biggest one in here is like 48 or something. And I was like, yeah, sweet. And he's like, I've been fishing here for 25 years and this is what you've got to be doing and this and that. And I was like, oh, yeah, so how are you going today? And he's like, oh, I fished for about three hours but haven't caught anything. Oh, I think I'm going to call it soon. And he's like, how many you caught? And I said, Five. I was like, <laughs> like not, you know, not bigging myself up, but obviously I've been fishing all day. This is like one, two o'clock in the afternoon. So, you know, you, you can't always trust what people say and, you know, like, yeah, oh, fishing's, fishing's unreal and, you you know, they don't, they're not catching anything, you know what I mean? So, yeah. I like, I like the people that sort of say to you, you know what, it's been a bit tough and, you know, we did, and they tell you the full story, then you go out with them and you actually catch fish. Like, those people are, uh, you know, sort of on the ball, those people that are a bit more modest, a bit more mild-mannered, but I tend to steer clear of the people that are yelling and shouting like, oh, get you onto this, I'll get you onto a metre, blah, 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 you know, like you, you kind of got to steer clear of those guys because they're a bit more talk and a little less walk, so. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's that's definitely not where what we're about. I always go in with aspect, we're probably going to catch nothing, but we're like, well, we'll, we'll give it our best and fingers that's crossed. It. Embrace the donor. Sometimes you got to embrace the suck and you got to suck it up and be terrible. And then the next day you go, okay, let's just do everything opposite to what I did yesterday. And that's, that's, it's the nature of the beast, you know? It sounds like, it sounds like cod fishing, embrace the grind, just embrace oh, the grind. The whole time you're saying that, Drew, I was just thinking of this session Mitch and I did like a few weeks ago where it was just, yeah. no matter what we did for like three days, nothing was right. I think we got like a fish a day, and every time we got it, like you get a hit, you just lose your mind, and you're like, "Yes, success of one kind." Um, yeah, just absolute grind. Oh, um, yeah. Our next trip coming up, if that's a grind, I'm gonna I'm gonna cry because it's promised land. Anyway, well, that's enough of that. Um, enough. That's yeah. enough. Um, so, like, one of the things I'm like, I'm starting to sort of get into is just like sort of seeing what people think their sort of highlights are. Um, going through their fishing careers and everything else, a bit more, a bit more introspective, looking at themselves. What are you most proud about in your fit, like in your fishing career and your time on YouTube? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I love, I love that because I just fished Noosa, where the good mate of mine and. The amount of love that we got at the boat ramp from from the young fellows like the Groms, like they would come up and chat here, and that that is so that's unreal. That is unreal that you can just go to a random boat ramp and a fourteen year old kid comes up to you and says, "Oh, I watched that video. You did this, and I've been trying to do, and I got I got that lure you you were using, and I got this on it, and that 
that for me just blows me away. Like it's 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 crazy. And yeah, like it pretty much like most bread ramps you go to, sometimes, you know, like most of the time people will recognize you or whatever, especially if it's on a weekend. But yeah, just that kind of stuff's pretty cool to, to have people come up and say, like, you know, I was struggling with this and I watched your video or, you know, like or they message you on Instagram. Like there was a guy messaging me just before we come on, he's like, Hey man, can you I watched your video, can you give me some tips on fishing bridges and i was like yeah what what do you want to know so yeah that that kind of stuff's really cool um but in terms of like trophy fish like fish that i've caught i mean barring the canals is pretty cool um you know like filming i i tie a lot of my fish into filming as well like it, it's it's a funny one like with youtube you have to be almost more into the filming than the fishing sometimes because sometimes you can get wrapped up within just just doing the fishing like, oh, let's get this. Let's just get into the fishing and catch these fish while they're here or doing whatever. But then you have this regret of, yeah, I should have taken, you know, two more minutes to set those cameras up right and I would have had like a great shot or great bit of footage that, and even for myself, just watching stuff back and going, yeah, you really nailed that. So that that's really cool to have that memory. Um, you know, even if you don't put it on YouTube, just film it and then you can watch it back in 15 years and go, oh, that's right. I remember that, you know. So, um, that's pretty cool. And getting those, getting those mangrove jacks to eat the frogs on the, on the big camera, on the zoom in slow-mo, high definition slow-mo. I mean, that was just like, I, as it was happening, I'm going, yes, that camera is in frame. Yes. It's in frame. Yes. I got that shot. Yes. Let's get this fish in the boat. That, that was my, that was kind of my thought process is like, did I get the shot? Yes, I did. Very happy. So that that kind of ties in with with what I do with fishing too, the filming aspect, and I'm pretty I'm pretty proud of those those two videos with the slow mo jacks on surface. That was that was really cool. Oh, like yeah, saying saying that I, to, I totally understand. Like I've been sort of getting into my photography and a little bit of filming and stuff too, just for mainly for my own use. Like we wanted to do some yeah. stuff for like for like for I guess for the on the car stuff, but at the end of the day, like yeah, we just sort of. I haven't done too much in terms of like filming, but like I had some opportunities to film some of Dill's COD stuff and I absolutely yeah. minced it. Like I like I literally took the camera. <laughs> I, 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 I was filming the, per- like I'd, be, I'd, be, I'd have filmed the perfect shot for so many different things. And then I'd just take the camera away and go film something else or go take photos. And then you'd get a hit on surface. And it was, as it was zoomed in specifically on that one spot. And I'm like, well, uh, <sighs> shit. Like, so, that's yeah. the nature of it. eh? filming and fishing. It's very <laughs> tough. Yeah. And, and, and to be fair, it's not so bad, but if I'm filming and Dill's fishing, cause I don't mind, I don't mind it. But yeah, I've missed, I've rinsed, rinsed a heap of shots. But I'm- yeah, it, it is tough. And, like, the amount of times, like, I went to Gladstone and did a bit of fishing there and I had a uh, subscriber with me come up and fished and, you know, uh, end up being good mates, you know, and, and he was, like, filming and, and we caught the first thready and we'd been fishing for three days in Rocky and, and just – you know, caught absolutely nothing but a sea snake and a bloody catfish, and cameras work fine. As soon as the thread is in the boat, SD card error. I was like, oh, yeah, typical. <laughs> yeah, perfect. So that, it does happen, and, you know, it's, um, it is frustrating. But at, at the same time, filming, having a GoPro running, and you'd be surprised how differently you remember stuff. Like I've had mates in the boat, and they're like, oh, that guy, he hit you on the first drop or the – he got it on the just as you cast it in you watch it back and it's not it's not that at all um and then you go oh, like even with you know barra fishing even like some of those 
pauses where I was getting the fish were 10 seconds on the GoPro. But you don't remember it because your mind wanders. So it's good to have that bit of objective um, footage, like game, game film, I suppose, is what it is. And you can watch back what actually happened because as fishermen, we like to embellish. And like, oh, it was first cast. It was on the drop. You know what I mean? All these things. So it's good to have that objective piece of footage to let you know, no, it wasn't on the drop, you know, or it wasn't, you know, first cast. It was 15th cast because we all know what first cast meant. It's the first 20 casts. <laughs> it's the same as last cast, you know, if not worse. <laughs> so, yeah, that is that is good. So, even if you're not going to put it out into the world, just film it for yourself. That's what That's what I reckon anyway. You know, it's kind of like surfing. Like the guys who tend to get better at surfing really quickly, like I surf a little bit, not a great surf, but um, the guys that tend to get really good film themselves will have other people film them and they can go back and look at what they were doing and how they can do it better. It's, it's sort of the exact same with fishing. Like you can look about how you yeah. twitch twitching your lure, pauses, all that sort of stuff, and you can learn a lot pretty quickly from just recapturing that moment. So I guess the guys, yeah. on, YouTube, the guys on YouTube have that sort of, that, yeah, that past look. Well, look, looking back on what they were doing. Yeah, they got- yeah, it's like a bit of game film. And then it, it's a good education for everyone else's too, you know, like, you know, monkey see, monkey do kind of thing. You know, seeing is believing, you know, throw all the cliches in there, but that's basically what we're, that's what we're doing. You know, like you watch a video and if you pay enough attention to it, you can kind of nut out what's going on, you know, and that, and that's, you know, that's what it's all about. Hmm. Can't, yep, can't argue with that, that's for sure. <laughs> that's it and and so. So, sort of I guess going on the whole film train, train and being able to look back on what you've been doing like if you reflect back on the past is there anything that you would have done differently at all up to this point yeah for YouTubing yeah yeah I guess yeah yeah mainly for YouTubing I guess um look I think probably my advice would be to people don't try two pieces of advice don't don't worry if the first hundred videos you make are shit and no one sees them because it's probably not what you want to be putting out in the world anyway. You probably should make, you know, 50 pieces of content, you know, 52 pieces, one one every week for a year, and then you'll kind of work out who you are, what you're doing on there. You'll find your little, you know, you'll find your path, you know. So that's one piece. And the second piece is don't try and get viral videos because, Viral videos are shit. You know, they, they they unless it's something very specific to what you're doing, like which is very rare. Um, you know, it's it's really just you know, it's not as good as you think it is. It kind of it's good in the short term and it, and it's bad in the long term. So and there's a couple of us that have had that same issue where you'll go viral for something that's not not quite related to to what your channel is. So I mean, stay in, find find your lane and sort of stay in it. That's probably my what I probably did wrong is I went for a short term win um, instead of seeing the long game. I would say, like at least you only posted one catch and cook video. I was pretty stoked about that. Oh, I mean, yeah, the, the, the absolute peer pressure. Like my mum told me, I wouldn't get peer pressured after high school, but here I am. Um, you know at 30 years old and still getting uh, peer pressured into do a catch and cook. Do you even eat fish? You know, like all this sort of stuff people speculate in the comments and I do eat fish. I just thought, you know, catching cooks are kind of, you know, done to death on YouTube. And I was like, I just want to stay in my lane of, 
sort of sports fishing, but you know that could change, and you never know where where you go. But yeah, catching cooks are kind of yeah a bit of a bit of a sticking point for my channel. People want more of them, but then you put one out and they don't really want it anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Real attention grabbing titles like "Did I land this fish?" Insane fight. Oh. Insane fishing in an insane part of the country looks photoshopped, catch and cook. Yeah. yeah All yeah. that sort of stuff. Every yeah. time I see someone pretty much post a title like that, I think I want to kill myself <laughs> or just, well, like, I'm just pretty much subscribe straight away. There's nothing oh. worse than like, like, like video titles. Like insane yeah. fishing, everything in capital letters. Did I land this fish? Like, yeah. like the best fishing in clear water. I'd sooner put a screw in my head than watch those videos. The biggest most insane fishing in insane waters, risking life and limb for giant fish catch and cook. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's it gets a little bit ridiculous sometimes, though. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that's one thing you've done really well is you've had real modest titles and like your content's really just. It's just it's exactly sort of what you expect from the title, and I appreciate yeah. I, I appreciate that as opposed to some of the other guys out there that are absolutely embellishing everything. You're like, uh, just like, like, yeah, you had a good day's worth of fishing, but it wasn't insane, that's for sure. Well, I always say that as well. You can't, you know, catch trophy fish every day. So, you know, there's going to be ebbs and flows. Sometimes you're going to get awesome fish and awesome footage, but then sometimes you just got to be humble and go and catch some brim or catch some flatties or you know, that's how fishing is. You know, you can't catch, you know, GTs every day, you know, 40-plus GTs every day for the most part. You know, like, it just doesn't happen. And to be, Being humble is it. Yeah. And, and to people are expecting that's what it's going to take you further in the long run. Yeah. That, and that's what I've said again about the short-term. It's a short-term game to get, you know, um, short-term views or, you know, short-term attention, but without seeing the overarching sort of picture. So, yeah, that's how I feel. Yeah. It's, oh, you're doing it the right way in terms of what we sort of perceive as what people should be doing. But, like, having said that, we're just two, we're just two people with a podcast. Like, we're, we're no authority in telling people how they should or shouldn't be doing things. But, <laughs> yeah. I, I, like, I, I, we, we certainly enjoy the way that you, like, present your stuff just because, yeah, it's just nothing... And maybe if we kick you on like this, we might become the gatekeepers of YouTube. Yeah, I'd, I'd, love, I'd, I'd love to be that person because that means I get to see exactly what I want to see every single time. Like you can do all the titles, Mitch. You know, you can um, pretty good days fishing, but not really insane. No catch and cook. That that'd be all the titles. You know, I nearly got bitten by a shark. No. <laughs> Oh, I, I, I fully... mediocre day with twenty five centimeters. <laughs> lost, lost, lost several lures to brim in snags. Should have not used three pounds straight through. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> I don't know. That's yeah. creeping up. That's creeping up there. But... Yeah, that's a little bit clickbait. Yeah, there. That is a little bit. I'm oh. bringing it the treble. <laughs> that's right. it. That's it. <laughs> so, so over the past five months, like. Has it taken a toll on you, I guess, well, physically, mentally, and what, what's the gear toll been like? I've seen you break a couple of rods and everything. Like, like how's, yeah. everything, how's everything held up over the last five months? Oh, I took my Minn Kota in, um, like, when I got back, I was like, this Minn Kota is just toast. Like, it would not and – it, and it's no fault of the machine because it's probably seen 
more use in five months than most people do in five years. Like it was, it was just absolutely just balls to the wall, just getting used every day. And um, I took it into the, to Troy and Min Repairs and he's like, what have you done to it? And I was like, I've used it for five months. What, what do you want me to do? So he put a new steering thing in it for me and he spruced it up and he said, oh, she was dirty. We did our best. I was like, I wouldn't worry about it, mate. It's just going to, the same thing's going to happen to it. So, I mean, that got sorted, you know, under warranty, like real cool with it. Um, Shimano saw one of my videos with the jacks because I was using like my, my CI4 Plus because my other um, one of my other setups was out, so I was basically using that for three months straight. And um, it, it had a roll bearing issue, then the anti-reverse went on it, um, and then the bail arm sort of screw come out and sort of stripped. So I was like, oh, this is pretty ratchet. And then Shimano saw it and they said, hey, how about we, um, how about we send you a new reel? That one sounds like it's pretty cactus. So I, I actually they, saw a video today of you with that Stratic and I was actually going to bring that up in this. And I was like, the, the I egg beater. Yeah. I hope you've got it serviced. <laughs> it needs more than a service, I reckon. Eh? Oh, yeah. Like at, at one stage, there, say in that, in that Jack video where I was using all the different lures, I cut it out. But a couple of times, like I'd go to just um, pole fish into the boat and if you weren't holding the handle, it just spin backwards because the anti reverse was gone, gear was gone in it. So like, it, it had it had seen its day. So yeah, pretty pretty grateful they sent me out the new the new fucking whatever it is the van vanford. So yeah, yeah. that was pretty cool. They sent me that out and like bait casters, bait casters aren't the best in salt water anyway because they're. There's a lot of you know the US market obviously is the biggest market and that's all freshwater. So as much as they say like yeah saltwater worthy, they do they do take their toll. It does take its toll the saltwater. So a couple of those need new bearings and stuff as well. But um, we'll get that all sorted. A couple of rod tips needed, you know, replacing or um, the little inserts in the eyelets. I found some of those popped out over time. Um, so yeah, just just little things like that. And but when you only take five or six rods with you to try and do all this different type of fishing, like obviously you don't have twenty setups at home just waiting to you know different things and whatever. So you're using those same rods over and over again. Sometimes you're undergunned, sometimes you're overgunned. But I mean that's all the fun of it, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Like you, like at the end of the day, you kind of have to make do with what you got and. Like yeah, if, if you're traveling, you can't take the whole rod arm, like the whole rod arm that you got. So yeah, that's it. So uh-huh. you kind of take you take everything, in, you know, you take a light setup, you take a you know ten to twenties, you know fifteen to thirty, and then you take a big you know sort of PE five setup. And I took my swim bait rod. That was that was it. That's all I had. So yeah. Um, so it took took a bit of a toll on the old on the old gear. Um, the boat. Boat floor, I came back, had to fix a bit in the boat floor. Just bad design, doesn't drain properly um, underneath the batteries as well. So there's 60 kilos of weight on it. And, um, yeah, so I had to replace that bit of floor, um, you know, just bits and pieces like that, you know. Um, trailer, at one point I got a, I had to do a wheel bearing when I was up that way past Townsville and I was like, couldn't get this bloody, couldn't get one stud off. It's always one stud that's rusted on. And the guys at the tire shop couldn't get it off. No one could get it off. So I ended up taking the whole hub off. And I traveled with a replacement hub, putting a new hub on, new bearings, and then put my spare tire on. So I was getting around with no spare for a while. So I was like, 
you know, she's, you know, don't want the other one to go sort of thing. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, just fun times like that, you know, just no stress, just relax, you know, you've got no spare tyre, that's sweet. So all that sort of stuff. No, that's the best attitude you can have. Like it sounds like a heap of small little things here and there, but not stressing too much about all of that and having it all no. com- compounding like things happen, I guess. So Yeah, it's more of a compounding, hey, but yeah, I mean you get through it. Adversity is what makes the journey sort of worth it. You know, if everything ran smoothly, you know, it'd be a bit bit boring, I suppose. But I actually like I did that wheel bearing, like it went and I was like, Oh, that wheel bearing's done and then I was like can't get that stuff off. So I actually put the studs back on and just took it down to the ramp because the ramp was only like 700 metres. So I just drove it down there with, you know, the broken wheel bearing, put it in the water, went fishing for the day. <laughs> I'll worry about that when I get back. So, yeah, um, probably not recommended to do that sort of stuff. <laughs> but, um, you know, when you, when you want to go fishing, the weather's good, you've got to get out there. Got to go. Yeah, well, that's right. You're not going to get paid for not making videos. So, like, <laughs> the, the, right. the wheel bearings are last of the issues, really. Yeah, pretty much. And at the end of the day, it's only a wheel bearing. So, you know, like, you'll be all right. That's all right. There's always a way to fix them. That's it. So, yeah, got that off and, yeah, ended up getting a guy to sort the hub out. He cut the, cut the stud away from the back of the hub and got that all sorted for me. I got my rim back and put some new tyres on it and then... It's um that guy that was burning tires. He actually put the tires on for me. Um, just <laughs> yeah, it actually just worked out that way. I was like rocked up this place. These people were letting me stay there. Like that was pretty cool. Just on their vacant block, and the guy next door did tires, and I was like, chucking a ch- chuck a tire on for me. And then yeah, a couple of nights later, there's the tires uh, burning out the back there. So um, yeah, yeah <laughs> she's a bit wild up there. So but um. Yeah, all in all, I mean, a few little things went wrong. and But, you know, you work through it. You've got no choice. You know, you've, you're 15 hours from home or 13 hours from home or whatever it may be, and you just have to deal with it and get it done, and, and that's what that's what I did. No, lovely. I've got, I got one more question I'm going to throw in. Mm-hmm. So you spent a bit of time on the road, five months up there, you're going to see some interesting stuff. Do you have any stories about total cooked encounters with a few awesome locals or just – Real weird shit you've seen. Like there would have been something. Um, yeah, I don't know. The first day I got to one town up there, um, a dog got eaten on the beach by a crop. Um, <laughs> and then I was like, oh yeah, cool. And then then the guy uh, guy was telling me that he just lost his dog to a croc as well. And I was like, oh yeah, cool. So crocs just like thrive on dogs up here by the sounds of it. Um, <laughs> And then he goes, oh, there's also a small one in the marina, so be careful. And, yeah, you know, I end up seeing that crop a couple of times. And, I mean, we probably got pretty different opinions on what small means. But, um, yeah, this crop was, like, just a cool two, you know, 2.8, 3-metre crop just yeah. swimming around in the marina. So that's, yeah, that was a bit interesting. So they're, they're pretty relaxed on crocs up there. Yeah, oh. I think like coming from Victoria, that'd be one thing I don't think I could ever get used to. Like the thought of being like you can't even stand near the water's edge without having that in the back of your mind. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that one place I stayed on their vacant block, they backed onto a creek, a tidal creek. Yeah. And I went I went and walked it at low tide because there's like no there's basically no water in there. Just flicked, got a couple of um sooties and JPs and stuff and then came back. And um and then the guy told me like oh yeah we lost the dog down there to a croc and stuff and I was like yeah right 
He's like, hey, I wouldn't go walking in the creek. I was like, yeah, I already went for a walk in the creek this morning, but yeah, cool. Thanks for the heads up. Oh, so, do that again, thanks. <laughs> yeah, oh, so, but, I mean, you could see the bottom everywhere you went. So it's like, you know, if you did see something, you just, you know, not like I was wading up to my belly button in the water or anything stupid, but um, I saw a lot of pig cra- um, tracks down there at the water's edge too, like come down on the sand and stuff and, and um, then the guy next door, he said, yeah, we get pigs here all the time. And, and then that night about 10 or 9.30, 10 o'clock at night, just heard this almighty squeal down at the creek and then just silence. I was like, yeah, right. Croc just took a pig by the sounds of it. So I was like not fishing down there anytime again. So, yeah, pretty interesting. Well, yeah, I, I, I just I just could never get like used to crocs, especially because Dylan and I fish out of Hobies for everything. Like to be oh, able yeah. to be able to not go to a place and put a Hobie in is just so weird to think of. Because and to you wouldn't would never risk it either. Absolutely not worth it. No, you can't take it for granted. You can't take it for granted up there. You just have to assume that they're everywhere. Yeah, because you'll never see them, and if you do see them, it's probably too late, kind of thing. So. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's like snakes down here. Obviously, there's snakes up there too, but like half the time, like the one time you need to worry about a snake is when you're stepping on it. That's right. Same, similar to a croc. I think, I think you get one close encounter with a croc in your life and you're either, it goes one of two ways. That's basically, yeah. And you either win or you lose that encounter. So. <laughs> that's, a, yeah, that's gnarlier than a snake, that's for sure. Yeah, no, they, they are definitely, you just have to assume they're everywhere up there and just not, yeah, don't take it for granted. But, I mean, that being said, there's a lot of local old fellas in particular that, like, at, say at Rocky, they're just, like, um, cast netting for prawns, you know, up to their belly button and just cast, cast net two of them and the dog swimming around as well. And then you drive, you know, like a kilometre up river and there's a, there's a croc sitting up on the bank. And it's like, yeah. guys, what what are you doing? Like, it's just nuts. But I don't know. It's just, yeah, some people have a good attitude about them. Some people are very relaxed about them up there. So it just uh, depends who you talk to. I like that. A good attitude or a relaxed attitude? A relaxed yeah. attitude. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, there's a time and place to be relaxed, and that is not one of them. Not in crop country, hey? Not in, and you'll notice, like, once you get past a certain area they don't put in like filleting tables at boat ramps and stuff because they don't want people filleting and leaving fish frames because crocs are like big creatures of habit and they will like they will come and they will sit there and they'll wait to, to be fed and then if someone does go in the water just by chance then yeah that's not good so the filleting tables disappear from sort of gladstone up yeah right that ma- it that's makes a lot of sense that, that's fair enough like, yeah, it was the one one of the things I noticed. Like no filling towels. I was like, oh yeah, what happened to that? So yeah, that's why they don't want people filling in stuff at boat ramps, which makes sense. Yeah. Like, will they sit the tables further back from the water, or is it just like do it at home? Yeah, but no, there's none, none at all for the most part. It's just I think if you let people, you know, fill it anywhere near a boat ramp, they're gonna throw the frames, you know, on the boat ramp. I feel that's that's. I mean, it's probably true. So it's probably a good move on their part. Yeah, it's yeah. what happened down here and like especially Western Victoria because all the seals start congregating around the boat ramps and then seals started biting people. And <laughs> Yeah, there you go. I'll, ta- I'll take a 300 kilo fur seal over a crocodile thing. Yeah, I, I feel like you've got a bit of a chance against a seal, huh? They're sort of like, yeah, 
You know, like there was this seven-year-old lady who got bitten by a seal down here in the southwest not last year, but the year before, like when I was doing my tuna surveys, like it was one of the days in between my surveys. Yeah. Like, and like, yeah, so I got to experience this one angry seal that in, in the end it got shot and put like got put down because it was just like it took a, <laughs> it took a chunk out of this 70-year-old lady and like the bacteria on its teeth. Like she was in hospital, I think, for like six to eight weeks just because she couldn't fight this infection in her leg. And I was like, that's just a yeah. – it's just a seal. Like it's – and it's, it's a seal and a small portion of her calf, I think. Oh, that thing. Yeah, that's crazy. So that's yeah, crazy. So yeah, there's a few there's a few cleaning tables down there in the southwest that are either not there anymore or like quite a distance from the water. Very inconvenient mm. considering there's no crocs around, but and it's only seals. But like, true. Still, don't want, like don't want kids getting taken by a seal. That's going to end in disaster as well. Yeah, kids kids wouldn't do well. But there was a um there was a farmer too who told me that. The the guy next to him, the old older farmer next to him, he um he shot the croc. He shot the croc in this river, and then like I, I got home there um the other week there and and saw that same croc on the news for coming up and eating a turtle. And they were like, oh, this croc was thought to be shot and killed. And I was like, oh, that was that farmer that was telling me that you know his neighbour shot and killed that croc, and it's still getting around eating turtles on the on the beach. And I was like. It's just wild. Like they're just they're a different animal, the old crocs, eh? Yeah, there's a reason they've lasted as long as they have. Yeah. Like and it. it cracked this turtle. Like it cracked it like it was a bloody Malteser, mate. It just bloody in, in the gob and just cracked that shell to pieces like it was like it was nothing. I was like, yeah, no chance on that, eh? Yeah, no, do, you do not want to be one of those dogs or tourists that they get eaten every year. That's it. And we're I mean, we're pretty relaxed around boat ramps being like south. You know, like even southeast Queensland, you you know, sometimes you just you're like, oh, I'll put the boat on, I might as well just, you know, get in the water a bit, cool myself down, I don't mind, you know. So yeah, up there it's just a change of attitude, you know, don't take it for granted, basically. Far out. Like last point in the crocodile, how far south do they go? Or have you heard of them? Well, they've got them they've removed one from or a couple from Maryborough, which is like yeah. around Harvey Bay area. Shit, so they're almost so they're not quite Noosa, but like yeah, all right. That's yeah, cool. so Mary, the Mary River is a big, big turbulent river as well, like big brown river. So they, yeah, they've removed a couple from in there. I mean, they're not. I mean, they're not in a plague there or anything, but they've definitely taken a few out of there. So, I mean, I'd, I'd say it's a safe bet from sort of Bundaberg that there's a couple hanging around, kind of thing. So that's mad. that being said, people fish Baffle Creek in kayaks, and they're supposed to be in Baffle Creek, so. You know, imagine one day when they end up in Noosa or something, and there's just guys surfing all the points down there, and then there's this croc, <laughs> a croc going through the lineup. That's yeah, well, yeah, I think they'll be being in Noosa. I think they'll get rid of those pretty quick. I think they yeah, wouldn't even hear about it. Yeah, yeah, you might not even hear about it exactly. Mass panic. <laughs> oh, mass panic. Anyway, I think that sort of covers the most of our stuff about your YouTube stuff, but there's a few other things that you've done as well. So you've fished a few comps in the past, haven't you? Yeah, brim comps. I did like just the local sort of comps and pretty casual, relaxed, no ABT kind of deals. That's probably a bit out of my league or whatever. But, um, yeah, just the local brim comps, the, you know, one days and the casual two days and, yeah, it's just been a pretty good experience overall. I mean, some pickups here and there, and some politics. As anything, if you get into you get into anything too far, then you start to uncover the politics, and it becomes not about fishing, and it becomes more about 
who said this or who did that and yeah that's when it gets a bit a bit much so but yeah fished a fair few brim comps and probably helps your fishing a fair bit doing those brim comps because you have to sort of go into a system and you may or may not have fished there before and you have to kind of eliminate water and find where the fish are and where they're feeding and where and not just catch fish it's catch five of the best fish in that that you can and try and beat you know 20 30 40 other people that are really good anglers that are all competing for the same quality fish you are so there's probably no problems for any angler that's fished a brim for a bit to go out and catch five brim in a day like that's that's pretty that's pretty easy for most casual fishermen but can you catch five 40 centimeter brim while 40 other people are trying to catch those same quality fish it's a tough one and i guess that's probably why some of the brim guys are class of some of them like i guess more cluey fishermen brim bass and barra guys the whole brim bass barra trail like that yeah. like yeah all, all those guys seem to be pretty cluey in terms of fishing so like yeah i know you didn't fish the abt comes but like is that just because you didn't have a skeeter yeah no i think you have to have yeah big big bass boat yeah like it's a bit out of my budget but um you know i've competed against guys in uh as in bass boats and um yeah beaten a few of them so you don't need all the gear to you don't need 200 grand's worth of gear to catch brim put it (laughs) really Really? so you you don't need like stalls and exists and bass boats and like big ram trucks and no it'd be nice but you don't need them like me and my mate went and um, before I took off on the road, me and my mate, I jumped in his little tinny. And to put it in perspective, he's like, oh, bring a pillow because I don't have an extra seat for you. So I sat on a pillow on the on the deck, you know, like, and we, we won it, you know, and there's guys there with big bass boats and, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And we and we just do it. It was just like you just have to know. You just have to be in, you know, you have to be in, in touch with what the fishery is doing and what the brims are doing. And uh, I've been a big part of, comps like brim comps is eliminating water so if you go out and you have a great like pre-fish and you catch like all these great fish it's probably you know i mean it could be fun but i prefer to have a bad pre-fish where you sort of do one day and you try all this stuff and it's like oh yeah none of that worked and you go all right well that's that rules all of that out so then you can sort of narrow down you know what's what's you know working and, and where's working and stuff like that so it's about eliminating water, which kind of helped me on my travels as well. Like I'd go out and do one thing one day in a new system and I'd be like, oh, well, none of that worked. So let's just do the opposite of whatever that was. So, yeah, the brim, brim comps, you can sort of relate to all sorts of different fishing as well. So help me in that way and, yeah, just help me, you know, make a bit of the odd, the odd bit of pocket money on the side and whatever if you win them. But they are very difficult to, to win consistently just – based on the calibre of, of angler you're competing with and the different venues that you go to, you know, like a, like sometimes the kayak fishermen would do really well and I'd do really bad because just by the nature of being in a kayak, you have to fish slower and those guys would fish slower and get the better fish when they were in that mood and I would fish really fast with top waters and crankbaits and, you know, all this sort of stuff and, and I would get the smaller fish or I'd get the follows or, you know, I'd spook them or what, you know, you just have to be in tune with, with what's going on and, and, you know, fish those patterns. So, 
Yeah, fished a fair few of them, won a fair few of them, lost. I mean, it's one of those things where you're going to lose way more than you ever win, but um, that can be good for the good for the soul too, you know, learn a few things. That's right. You, you, nev- you never lose if you win everything. Like you only, the only times you're like, yeah, the only times you're learning is when you're either doing bad or like adversity comes at you or you're losing stuff. That's it. Embrace the donut. That's you, sometimes you got to donut to be able to get to the next thing you got to do, you know, like, oh, none of that worked. So what, what do we do? You know, you go the complete opposite. So yeah, I mean, Brim comps were fun, but then like half of the fun was doing the live weigh-ins. You bring in five fish, you got to manage your live well and, and people really liked the Brim comp videos because there's like this end goal. There's this unknown thing of like, oh, yeah, it looks like he's done pretty good today. You know, he's caught five good fish, but, you know, that might not be enough and they want to see like every fish you catch. You might catch five fish, but you can't end the video there. you got to, you know, or you can't end your day there. you got to sort of manage your live well and then bring, you know, you catch one, you go, oh, it might be a little bit bigger and then you get an extra, you know, 100 grams there and you throw that one out and you put that one in and then, you sort of upgrade throughout the day and it's, and it's just like that was the kind of fun of the brim comps for me. And then you come in, there's, there's heaps of banter between the, you know, the, the other competitors and stuff, you know, and, and you build up this bit of a friendly rivalry and, and a good bit of banter and, and you want to see like, oh, what's, you know, what's old mate done today? I saw him up, at, you know, that's what I wanted to go to and, oh, he looks like he's got a good bag and, you know, like that's, that's half the fun of brim fishing is like, yeah, all that you know, weigh in that interaction. But with COVID, obviously that all got, you know, taken away because you can't gather in large groups. So it's just, it's on an app now. And, you know, some people are just doing measurements only, but like you guys would know, like you could catch a brim that's 40 centimetres. Like I've caught one 40 centimetres at 750 grams. And then the next day I caught one that was 40 centimetres and it was 1.2 kilo. So it's just like, you know, that's two very different fish that are one, two centimetres apart from each other. So the weigh-in for me was like where it's at. Oh, like I had a, I had a, the only comp I managed to get to last year, well, probably the only one in Vic was one of the Hobie comps, but I got these 45 tip of fish on my first, on my fifth cast of the morning. Yeah, and nice. I'm seeing it come up in the net and I'm just like, oh, my God. And that fish only, I think it only went, it was like 1.29 or something and I was shattered, like... <laughs> Like the skinniest run to his 45 I've ever bloody caught. Especially down south too, eh? Yeah, like normal, like in that system, they're not normally in them. Like a fish, that's probably about what they normally go for that size. But like it sucks. Like you fish at most of the other systems, if you get a 45 tip, it's normally like one and a half plus. Like they normally, once they get to that, they just stack it all. Yeah. Typical. Um, typical. You have to get the skinniest 45 out there. But I still got it. Happy days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the main I'll, thing. I'll, eh? that happened every comp. It'd be good. But... Yeah, it'd be nice. But I mean, up here, sort of Gold Coast and stuff, like a 1.2 kilo brims, like, yeah, it's like best fish of the day yeah. kind of thing, you know? So, yeah. Like any yellowfin, that'd be cracking fish. Yeah, that's two, two very different fish. And like, I get people, you know, brim fishermen down south, and they're like, oh, you know, like you miss that fish. Because you'll see them come out and you'll, they'll chase stuff, but they won't quite eat it. And then people will comment like, "Oh, you got to pause it." But yeah, it's again, you got to be keyed into your fishery because in in like Gold Coast or Southeast Queensland in general, yellowfin bring you never pause it because no. they just lose interest. They go, you pause it, and they go, "Oh no, it's not real," and then they leave. You know, like they spook. So again, goes back to being like keyed into what they're doing and what they want. 
And it took me probably like two or three trips targeting yellowfin until I really figured that out. Like I'm used, I'm used to fit like jerk baiting cranks and slowly working surface and all of that. And the first few times I fished for yellowfin, you'd see one on the flat cast towards it. You'd go twitch, twitch, you'd race over, look at it, and then turn away because I paused it. And yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, they sort of go. You can a lot. You, whether you just violently twitch it without pausing, or you just slow roll, and all of a sudden they just they'll hit it, they'll hit it, they'll hit it. Bang. Yeah, that constant. Yeah, that constant plugging away at the lure. Yeah, that's what they love. So it's just a, an amazingly different fish. Where like blacks, you'll find if they come in and they hit it, and they miss. It's for me anyway. I find it so rare they'll come back. Every like some some days like they'll they will. But more often than not, though, you get one chance. Where yellow, chance. yeah, okay. Eat it, eat it, eat it, and then bang, you'll eventually get it. Yeah, right. One, one hit wonder. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Yellowfin for me, the first ones that I caught were just like late last year, and I was just fishing for flatties, and I was just ripping hard bodies in the sand, and then I started catching like uh, yellowfin, and I was like, well, this is awesome. Like, yeah. no, like not only do I get to target flatties, but I get Bruno's bycatch at the same time, <laughs> doing exactly the same thing. And I was like, these fisheries are the best. <laughs> This this fishing thing's easy. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't have to put any pauses or think about it. Like, why, <laughs> yeah. Why, why would I take black rim? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yellowfin bring you just wind them on basically. Like, if you're rolling a chubby or something, you just keep rolling it, and you'll feel a bite. You just keep rolling it, keep rolling, it, and then just wind them on. That's I love that. Like, you'll feel them tick it. They're like, yep, hit, hit, yep. There's another hit, another hit. And you're like, yeah. yellowfin following it, tick, 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 and then all of a sudden. <laughs> Yeah, just wind them on the old yellowfin. But you know, like like I said, twenty percent of the time they're on, and everyone can catch them. It's that other eighty percent of the time, can you catch them? Like they can be really, really hard to catch sometimes. Oh, God. and it's one of those fish where you know you go, oh, I want to catch bigger barra, so I go bigger line. I want to catch bigger GTs, go bigger line, bigger rod. But those older brim, it's one of those weird things where the heavier you fish. The, the less quality of fish you'll get. So you have to go lighter for the bigger ones, which is kind of a mind, you know, a mind fuck. Yeah, well, it's, I always say to people, it's like everyone talks about like the elusive 50 centimetre brim. And I'm like, well, let's be honest, we've probably all hooked dozens of them. But when you're trying to catch like a two kilo plus fish on two and three pound line, yeah. time, you're just going to get destroyed. Like when we go target snapper, like that size down here, which is just the average everyday sort of pinky. Like, let's be honest, we're normally fishing 12 to 15 pounds with like three to five kilo rods half the time. Yeah, that's right. And then, yeah. Every now and then, you know what? You still get done. And I'm like, it's yeah, like, that's right. That's right. So you never know. You might have, you might have hooked one under a pontoon and yeah. or something and just called it for a jack or something because it roasted you, you know, or, or snapped you off or whatever. So yeah, you never know. That's, that's the beauty about fishing is you never really know like any like most of your casts are going to go without fish but then having said that there's all that like that you go fishing because there's that one cast where you just get smashed yeah it's um and it's like uh just just got to keep fucking plugging away to you to crack the code kind of thing you know with the with the bigger brim in particular you know you'll have spots where you've got lots of brim say for a brim comp you go there you catch you know, your bag limit, you get your five and then you sort of relax and then you can go along and just plug away at those bigger fish spots. You know, you'll find spots where those brim won't hang out in big, big groups. They'll hang out in a couple, you know, and, and they're usually better quality fish. And then sometimes you'll see, especially with the big groups, there'll be a bunch and bunch of little fish come out. And then right at the bottom, you'll see one big one just lurking at the bottom there. So it's very hard to get through those small ones to get that better quality. 
So you need to find those spots where there's only the, the bigger ones and twos. You know, that's what I found anyway. So you need to have in, in comps, you just need to have a bunch of spots that you can go to. Because as well, like people will fish your spots, your, you know, your in quotations, but that spot you want to go to and someone's sitting on it, you know, don't don't cut them off. You know, it's bad etiquette. You know, just go somewhere else and fish somewhere else. So probably the biggest advice for brim comps is just have a bunch of spots that you can go to and hit on different tides. So, and that's where your pre-fish comes in. So, yeah, that's that's what I found anyway. Rotate. Like that's what I always do. I'll pick sort of half, maybe half a dozen zones and you just rotate on and off of them. Eventually, yeah. yeah, well, you hope normally something will happen on one of them at least. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> All right, so we've cut, we've covered it, we've covered a lot of stuff now. We're getting right to the end of the podcast. So the last thing we always like to go through for a lot of our things is the like the sort of one percent tips and tricks and a bit of the essential gear that like that everyone has when they go out there and go fishing. So I guess we'll start. Obviously, you're a YouTuber. So are there any tips and tricks on people who might be listening and thinking about YouTubing? Um, that they can do to sort of better themselves and potentially get to where you are now and go further on from that? Uh, oh, the biggest, probably the biggest thing with YouTube is uh, you've got to find your lane, you know, like, like I said before, just you can't expect like your first video is going to be like the best video you've ever made, you know, like you just have to suck for a bit, but make something, make something. It will probably suck but at least you made something, you know, like you can't, you know, like I said, make 52 videos every one, every week for a year. And then you'll kind of work out what, what your sort of lane is. That's probably the biggest thing. And don't try and be Brody Moss and don't try and be Timmy Turtle. Don't try and be, you know, someone that you just try and be the first, you don't want to be the second Timmy Turtle. You don't want to be the second Brody Moss. You want to be the first Mitchell. You want to be the first Dylan. That's, you know, find your lane. You know, that that's probably the biggest thing. And, and consistency too, um, that's probably a big thing, consistency. And then you just go from there. And, uh, you know, you'll find an audience, you know, like even like I have I have a big sort of, um, even when you guys asked me about the podcast, I was like, I don't know anything. And what do to talk to me for? I don't know. I have a big... Um, what do they call it? Imposter syndrome. You know, like I just, I have that, you always have that self-doubt, you know what I mean? But you, you know, people, you will find an audience like you guys know, you're plugging away doing your thing. You're slowly finding your audience. You you know, you're doing something. That's the main thing. You just got to do something. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I, re- I really like the way that you worded that because there's a heap of guys trying to just do sort of what other people are doing and from like and obviously like you're fishing for similar fish that other people are doing but they're just doing it you're doing it in different ways which is a fantastic perspective on the fisheries themselves but also the way that you can go about it so yeah i really enjoy that and like i was, I was sort of hoping you'd bring up those points as well and obviously being consistent like yeah being consistent, consistent. and just you just have to tell yourself you've got time <clears throat> like just don't be too impatient like you've got to have you know, patience, you've got time, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. Like I went from, I did YouTube for like 18 months and I got to a thousand odd subscribers. And then like, as soon as it it does get easier once you go to over a thousand, because it's like something that just clicks, you know, if people see the number 1000, they must go like, Oh, that's obviously that's good because a thousand people, it's some sort of psychological thing. I don't know, but it seems to get easier after a thousand. And I went from a thousand to ten thousand in the next twelve months. Then I went from 
you know, 10,000 to, to 20, or 3,000, you know, whatever it may be. So, you know, it, it, it took all that time, but I had all those videos where people went, when they found that one thing, they went, oh, this is good. And then they looked on the channel and they went, oh, this guy's been doing this. It's like when you find a band, you know, when I found, say, the Black Keys or something, you go, oh, this is really good. Then you look them up and you go, this guy's got like seven albums, you know, like here we go. <laughs> you know, you've got to have that backlog too, you know. If you've got one crazy good video on your channel and, you know, two million people watch it, they're not going to subscribe. You're not going to build an audience. You're not going to build a community on that because there's nothing there. It's one one fancy, viral, what clickbaity, whatever it is, you're just not going to build anything off that. You know, you need you need you put your mug in front of the camera and you need to be, you know, personality and you just need to be you just need to film whatever your truth is because that's scalable. Whatever you're doing, whatever your truth is, whatever, you know, and people will gravitate to that. But if you try and be someone else or be fake, the camera will find that after, you know. 60 videos you can't keep that up for 60 videos you know you might pull it off for 10 minutes but not you know over 60 videos that'll just come out so you just got to be yourself and i know that's really generic vague advice but you want to be you want to say like you know i'm not mini you know drew am i'm not mini whatever timmy turtle brody moss whatever it is you want to just try and find your lane and stick to it no perfect i don't i don't Oh, yeah, I don't think you need to add too much more to that. And oh, and have some gratitude. I find so okay. many people that don't have gratitude for, like, what they've got. You know, like, the people, oh, I've only got a small following of, what, 2,000 people. Mate, you couldn't fit 2,000 people in this room. Like, that's a lot of people, you know. Like, you just have to have gratitude, like, and perspective on that too. So, but that's, but that's social media for you. You see people that have got millions and millions, and you're like, oh, I want millions and millions, but... I don't know if you do, you know, because <laughs> what what's the chances you get a thousand people in a room and one of them is an asshole? It's a hundred percent. Yeah, a few more than that, exactly. So well, I love that point you make about like you think about it in relation to people in the room. Like I know when we first started our podcast, I had no idea how it would go. To, our first episode, like I think we got like a hundred and twenty listens in a week or something and Mitch and I were like oh that's actually pretty cool and I was like yeah I don't like I was like about 120 people in my house right now I'd hate my life I'd be screwed <laughs> but it'd be it'd be an awesome party it's an awesome like if you could get 120 people to your house all having a great time having a party it'd be the best thing in the world but for some reason on socials like oh I only got you know 2,000 and it's like man 2,000 a lot of people you know yeah. like but then like crazy. Like like you like you mentioned before, like if you're watching Brody stuff on Young Bloods, it's all of a sudden you're saying, "Oh yeah, he's got like 1.5 million videos on this vi- video on this film." Yeah, video. views. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh well, I've only got a thousand views. It's like, well, and that's it. Yeah, so. Talk and cheese, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, we, well, yeah, and also you go back and you watch Brody's stuff. He goes back seven years, so he's been at it for seven years. You know what I mean? So, what what you know, do it for seven years, then we, you know. And, and not to mention though, like he's like like you said, he's the bro, he's Brody Myers. You're like you're right. Drew and I'm Mitch, and the deal is deal. Like it's better right. off being yeah. you're you're better off being yourself and and maintaining that because it's maintainable than trying to be someone else who's doing something else, like who's doing their thing, and then not yeah, not yeah. Being Plus, whatever your whatever your thing is, whatever your personality or whatever you're doing, that is scalable because it's only what you're doing. That's it. 
Like if your thing is just being you, then that is scalable to forever. Hmm. But if you're just like, I'm going to do, you know, stay in this very small little thing that I've created and try and be Brody or try and whatever, you're going to run out of steam because you can't keep it up. It's plain and simple. I've been there in the past, that's for sure. It's not a place you want to go. Yeah, but that that being said, you should pay attention to what Brody is doing or what I'm doing or what someone is doing to, you know, seeing is believing what's working from them, how can I apply that to what I'm doing? You know, like what what thumbnails are working, what are people, what's the hot topic at the moment, you know, just for everything in general. So, you know, don't discount that, but also don't try and be them. That's probably the that's probably the thin line you gotta walk. Lovely. I think I think that sort of sums that up really well there. So we'll get on to the last couple, last couple of things. Uh, any fishing tips or trips? Any yeah, fishing tips that have helped you catch more fish or find them at least. Um, there's like those hummingbirds are pretty good for finding fish. Like, <laughs> big big spawn on if you're listening. BLA hit me up. Um, but they there's no guessing with a hummingbird. Like if you've got good equipment. You know, if you're just running a two-inch hook sounder, you know, whatever, that's great for finding depth. But you're just not going to find barrel on side scan. You're not going to be able to see stuff in 30 metres of water. Like, you have to have good equipment, but then sometimes my equipment's off too. So it's observation, you know. Like, if I'm going jackfishing, my sounder's not really on. So it's all about observation as well. Like, if I did this thing, I found a certain pattern worked where, if I was there, say with the jacks in that shallow water, throwing the frogs and stuff, if I got to those sand flats uh, before the water was on the mangroves, I would see the jacks all lined up in a line. Like, no kidding, you know, you would tell me I'm full of shit, but I saw the jacks lined up in 30 centimetres of water, pointing their noses at the mangroves, waiting to get in there. And I could not catch one of those jacks on the flats there. I threw top waters, they'd spook. I threw little hard bodies, they'd spook. I threw on a two-and-a-half-inch grub, they would spook. All they wanted to do was get into those mangroves and feed. And once they were in there, it was on for a couple of hours and then the tide got too high and they pushed up further. So you just have to you have to make sure you take any little pattern or any little thing that you notice and just, you know, try and really focus on, on what's going on there. So... Probably sounder and just pattern recognition are probably the two things um, that you can do to help you um, find fish. And when you find them, you need to have reliable gear. Don't go chasing barra with 20, 20 pound bloody braid at Mondrian. Like that's just, you're going to hook the fish of a lifetime and lose it. So why spend four hours trying to catch a meter barra and then just lose it? So yeah, make sure your gears, make sure your gear don't let you down, and yeah, just pattern recognition. I think is probably the biggest thing. Perfect. Well, one sort of last question we thought we would ask, purely because we brought it up earlier. Before <laughs> press the record button. We thought we'd throw it in. Uh, you want to expand on it further? What is? And we're going to throw this in every podcast. I reckon we've got a guess. But what's the uh, dumbest fish? You, dumbest fish. The dumbest <laughs> thing you have caught a fish on? Like, have you ever made? A stupid lure or put a balance lolly snake on a jig head. Oh, I was fishing, yeah. Um, I did, I got the spoon, the spoon out of the kitchen drawer, the dessert spoons and cut the spoon bit off and put a treble on it and went and caught like 10 bass and a yellow belly with that. So 
Yeah, that just just goes to show you that you know you don't need to go and buy a bloody like. Well, the, the reason I did that is I went, I want to try this spoon for bass, and then I went into the tackle shop and spoons. They have this fancy American Lake Fork spoon, five inch spoon. It was like thirty dollars, and I'm like, it's a piece of metal. So I went home, got bloody the spoons out of the drawer, cut them up, and um, went and caught bass on them. So it's the same. It's the same thing. So. Yeah, that um, that's probably the stupidest thing I've, I've caught something with. So, and the stupidest fish that I caught was probably a mullet that um, that swam into my lure because he was hooked on the noggin. But man, he went hard. He must have been about sixty centimeters, and he just went for it. So that was the dumbest fish, and that was probably the dumbest lure was the spoon. Yeah, it's like yeah, you got to get a mullet on the spoon. <laughs> yeah, oh, look out! Yeah, yeah, yeah go cast. Uh, I want to take that spoon offshore and try and get something on it offshore, like a, maybe a snapper or, you know, a mackerel or something. That would be pretty cool too. Get a good quality trout or something on it though. Like, that would be cool. Yeah. Like, yeah, jig, like yeah send it down as a jig or something. With your, with your kitchen utensils. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we could try that. Plenty, plenty of knife jigs in your drawer. You just have to cut the knife part off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no cutlery left. I'm going to get bloody... Get kicked out of the house for Yo, cutting up all the bloody spoons and knives. Yeah, old cutlery is still cheaper than lures, so. Yeah, not wrong. Doesn't hurt as much when you imagine losing one of those thirty dollars spoons from you know like and like no, not happening. Where are they? Yeah. Yeah, well, like, yeah. Mitch, let's catch a cod on a rolling pin. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. We can catch a cod on a. You get a GT on a rolling pin. I reckon you could. eh? I reckon you could. And. Well, I reckon you could almost get a piece of timber from the side of the bloody, you know, driftwood or something and just chop it up and put trebles on it and they'll hit it. I can, I can see this being one of, your, one of your videos in the past so you can uh, send the royalties to us. Yeah, maybe I'll, I'll write that down now and just cut that out of the podcast <laughs> and that's all patent pending on that, copyright on that rolling pin uh, GT lure and uh, we'll get that done. No, I hope to see it. You can you, you can keep the royalties, but we'll uh, we'll be happy with the idea. That's for sure. I'll send you. I'll send you one rolling pin lure each. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, yeah. Just cut it in half, and then just <laughs> half a rolling pin each, and we'll be right. Yeah. So it's totally useless then. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna cut it lengthways or sideways. I think you cut it down the gut, so you've got like half each with a flat side. Yeah, yeah. A, a pop a face with the big side and then the small side where the handle would be is where you'd drill a hole through it and put the hook out the back side and then... I reckon, eh? Probably need some pretty, pretty big gear to cast it on that. Oh, man, I'm about to get this thing of trebles out again. Multi-purpose, it's... Oh, look out. Yeah. Let's put some of these on a roll. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Anyway. So, yeah, there you go. We're at the end, eh? We made That's it. it. We've made it to the end. If this was a movie, the titles would be rolling now. We'd be getting right to the end. So, well, you got to, we got to come up with a clickbait title for this podcast, though, don't we? Oh, well, yeah. What do you want to call it? We call it, uh, I don't know. I mean, you had a pretty good grasp there before on what to call, like, what's a clickbait title? No catch and cook. Um, no, everything with every Drew Mintos, no catch and cook. Um, risking life and limb on podcasts. For incredible, incredible chats and incredible content, fishing for friends. Yes, yeah. there you go. Yeah, there you go. That's um, that's a bit of YouTube special there. That's perfect. 
fishing for likes and friends featuring Dylan and Mitch. Yes. Could I recommend <laughs> rolling pin, Where, rolling no, pin lure? Yeah. There's no catch and cook. What about we go catch and cook free? Catch and cook for I was calling it catch and look for a while. <laughs> Just catch and look, you know, like put them back. So, yeah, good times. There we go. There, lots of, that is I the like word. <laughs> world's best podcast title. How is this now, Mitch? And I don't have to sit there for five minutes going, <laughs> oh boy, it's not, it's not even episode 10, it's episode 14. Oh, mate, we're four behind. I know. Mm. Yeah, there's there's another podcast out there that always gets the number of their podcast wrong, but they're up to like they're up to the hundred, so they're doing pretty good. Oh, well, that's obviously not the numbers people are worried about. How the hell are we going to find a hundred guests? I don't know. Oh, we we have to start going abroad at some point. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who have you got lined up? Anyone? Or you don't want to spoil who you got lined up? Um, no, Dill said he was organising someone for yeah, the Yeah, I'm organising the next one. I better tell okay. him that, though. Yeah, yeah, you said you were going to do it. So. <laughs> it's oh, a mate, secret. I'm, like, planning things. I, oh, I'm fucking horrific. Yeah, I, There's I'm, heaps of good fish shows out there. Have you talked to um, Captain Tomo? No, no. I think we should, for sure. Because mm. he's, like, hey, he's big into cod, probably good for your for audience. He's, like, yeah, he does YouTube, watches YouTube videos. He tends to catch them. Um, Catch the decent cod, so that might be a good one for you. Yes, he's, he'll be there in winter when the like as it starts to cool down and the big cod start to come out. A we bit more we did promise we'd be doing a late cod, so I'd love to get him on to talk about true mull or eel or something. But, there, there are some other guys that would like to be on the podcast that are unreliable. So, like, if you know who you are, sorry, yeah. sorry, guys, but they're not listening anyway because they're unreliable. This, yeah, this is true. Yeah. If they got through, how long have we been going for? Like two hours. So if they get to the two-hour mark, then you know, and they hit you up, then you know they're pretty reliable. So probably have them on. What? <laughs> like it always seems to go for like bang on two hours. I don't know how we make that happen, but it's kind of like the threshold. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's just you just it's just good talking shit. We've we've learned a bit. It of is. Oh, well, we didn't shit bag anyone, so we did pretty well there. Yeah, well, to be not, fair, we, not when record was pressed anyway. No, like some of the stuff you guys were saying before, oh, it was horrendous. I won't even, I won't even go into it. But yeah, I'm just rolling over my hard right here. No. Uh, oh, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. I'll, um, do you have a open invitation to come up to Queensland if you're ever up here? I'll show you the little knowledge that I have, and um, we'll go from there. Yeah, well, you, you're too modest. You know, you obviously know a little bit of stuff to get to uh, have a fishing YouTube channel. So you got to know something. We have to have a little bit of a fishing podcast. So we're doing okay. We're doing all right. We're just doing our thing. That's all that matters, eh? What um, what do you got planned coming up anyway? Well, I don't know. I have to um stick around home for a bit. Like I've just got home, so I'll stick around for a bit, do a bit of local stuff, and then um. I don't know. I'd like to head back out on the road, but I, the plan was kind of like, you know, wet season, kind of not good to be up up that way. And, you know, they get a few cyclones and stuff come through. So, um, yeah, it's probably not great to be living in your tent. Plus, you know, people were saying how how hot it's going to get. And I got pretty lucky with the, with the kind of wind, the, the weather I was getting, good sea breezes in the afternoon, but Apparently up there now, it's like stinking hot, glass out days. So you wouldn't be able to sleep in a tent 
So I'll probably probably head back up that way and and sort of pick up where I left off kind of thing and do a few more things up there and then possibly come back down for winter and and get into some serious snapper and stuff offshore. That'd be, I'd like to do a lot more of that, but um, obviously that's, you know, very weather dependent, you know, down South with the, with the swell and the bars and stuff. And yeah, so I'd like to do a bit more of that and we'll just, just see where we take it, but there'll be, There'll be another 50-odd videos this year, no doubt, so stay tuned for that and uh, we'll take it as it comes. Yeah, well, if, you, if you ever plan on heading properly south, we're down mm. here as well. We'll take you out, well, we have a boat, but we'll, we'll certainly point you in the right direction for a couple of fish anyway. <laughs> yeah, sweet. Appreciate the offer. Well, I haven't, I haven't fished for cod before, so that's probably on the agenda at some point. Well, if you've got the swim bait rod and swim baits, you're halfway, you're halfway there. You're just a thousand casts and four like, <laughs> On a week of winter nights. Great. Looking forward to that. Casting arm ready and broken patience. That's true. That's what a lot of COD guys say. Be willing to cast a lot. But Mm, I would be very interested in doing like creek missions. That would be, you know, very, very interesting for me. Well, there's not too many times I can guarantee things, but COD and creeks around like northeast Victoria is probably one of them. Yeah. Okay. You don't. You don't often miss a. You know, in a lot of the small waterways for cod, especially in Victoria, because they stock the crap out of them. There's yeah. heaps, there's heaps of fish down here. Like, no yeah. Well, that's fun. That's good. Like, if you just want to get a cod off your back, you can pretty much just cross over any creek that looks like it probably has a cod in it, and yeah, so just go cut. Just go cast it a couple of dozen snags, and yeah, Louis is going to get jammed off one of them. Yeah, sweet. I will. I will absolutely hold you to that statement. Please do. Especially <laughs> like especially in December, like in yeah. December early season, as long as it hasn't been rained and flooded out, it's almost guaranteed. Well, I've ne- I've never missed yet, but yeah, like, so. you never know. A fire might come through, then rain floods, and then it's all done. But it's still like even when it we found it, you get flow. Like it's always good for at least a fish, and if you're catching a fish, happy days. That's it. You just need one. Is it worth the drive from Queensland to down here for one well, fish? I'll do. Oh well, I'll do other stuff too. You know, you just don't hang your hat on cod fishing. You do some other stuff like try and get offshore, or you know, do some do some black brim fishing too. Like yet to catch a black brim, so that would be on the agenda. So well, there's, there's plenty to do. Well, Dill can Dill can definitely sort you out for that. Dill is a he's a decent angler. Big, big brim guide, big brim charter down south. Yes. Dylan Pace, brim charters. I don't know if I'm to guarantee something. I guess it's going to be the old brims, isn't it? Brim lord. <laughs> brim lord. <laughs> That's how I'm going to introduce you for the next podcast. <laughs> Our resident brim lord. Our yeah. resident brim lord. <laughs> anyway, Drew, would you like to plug your social medias? It's, it's, yeah, uh, so just, just Drew M on YouTube, just uh, the letter M, and then Drew Mintos, M I. N T O on the Instagram and forget Facebook because that's an absolute cesspit of a, of a, of a um, platform. But um, those two there are mainly on YouTube for the long form videos and Instagram for sort of day-to-day stuff and, and just photos of me holding up brims and um, stuff like that. So yeah, if you want to follow along and you can always shoot me a message on Instagram and stuff. I'm, I try to get to everyone as long as the you know you don't ask me a stupid question. I will uh, do my best to try and answer it with the knowledge that I have. And if I don't know, I just tell you I don't know, and and um, that that is what it is. So 
yeah, look me up there and um, I'll see you over there. Yeah, well, you were pretty you were pretty nice and pretty quick in replying to us. So I was, I was very I was very impressed at that. Put your ego aside and seem to reply, like, reply to a fair few people. So yeah, try to like it all goes back to just gratitude. Like the amount of time like someone takes out of their day to message you or comment. Like you can't just be like, oh yeah, fuck that guy. I'm not commenting or messaging that dickhead back. Like you should work out that Brim fucking like six pound. You know, like. <laughs> Like you just can't, you can't, you just have to have gratitude for that sort of stuff. And people don't know what they don't know. Like they might be just getting into fishing, you know, like I had to learn a lot of stuff on my own and, and that's why I'm happy to give out info and, and make videos. And I'm not like, not like a big spot, you know, guy, like you can't own a spot, you know, that's why I have that bit of culture, you know, like you, you, you know, to borrow a phrase from my favorite angler who shares wins, you know, who's that by the way? Oh, Steve Morgan. Yeah, yep. Yeah, who shares wins? Hundred percent. Share all your spots and make sure that everyone goes and targets um, threadfin salmon on surface around the ferries in is it um is it, what, in what Brizzy, it? yeah, in Brizzy, yeah. It's, it's, don't say that. We're gonna get shifted one day. <laughs> <laughs> if, the, if the if the podcast suddenly stops, everyone look out for Steve. I think there'll be a single person south of the Queensland border that will understand that. No. Yeah, that's all right. But yeah, that's that's kind of yeah. If you people want to shoot me a message on Instagram, I'm pretty open book. Or if you comment, I try and get to to anyone that has a, a worthwhile question in the comment section of a YouTube video. I do my best to try and um, and answer. So yeah, I'm pretty open book. Wonderful. Um, do where can people find us if they want to shoot us a question for their so, for some unknown reason? So Mitch has written our name wrong again, but. If you were looking for... Oh, shit, I have. have. (laughs) I'll fix that. Record this time, you bastard. (sighs) On the cast media on Instagram. Facebook. It's the same. It's a cesspool of a platform, but... It is. is. Like, I don't know if we've ever posted anything on our Facebook page, but it is there. Just search for us. I don't know (laughs) know what the page is called. I think it's on the cast. Find it yourself. No, it's... Don't like it. We it's, don't care. it's definitely on the cast media. It's hooked to our Instagram. So the only post there from our Instagram so far, but hey, you never know. It's there just in case. Oh, so what do we, have we got it like links when we post? It? Oh yeah. Yeah. I oh, did that. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Same with mine. That's the only things I post on Facebook. Whatever's on Instagram goes over to Facebook. So yeah. And then email address for the old school people deal. On the cast media at gmail.com. Yeah. A, prefer- a preferred place is Instagram as always because everything else is sort of inconvenient yeah well we normally only check out emails the day before writing the script for podcasts so. and at the current rate that could be once every second week or sometimes once a month depending on how it's going so <laughs> it is what anyway, it is thank you heaps for coming on Drew we really do appreciate it that's alright man that's no worries and um, very professional setup and um yeah, I'll be back if you guys will have me back or if you come up this way or go down that way, I'm sure we'll hook up and uh, catch something, try and catch something anyway. Yeah, well, if, you, if you're ever heading south, we'll do another one where you've, like, you, you, yeah, another podcast where you're like, exploring all things south. Yeah, so cool. All right, well, all right. thanks, gents. It's been a pleasure. No worries at all. Catch you later. See ya. Bye.